Hey guys, we are live, officially live, not on Zoom anymore. We are now live on StreamYard. God bless this duck. This, I think, is a much better improvement. And you guys tell us what you think. What do you think of the setup? What do you think of the audio, video, all that good stuff? So anyway, once again, everybody, don't forget to need those super chats. Don't forget to like, share, obviously subscribe, click the bell, patreon.com slash break the rules, support this thing so it can grow. Anyway, we are talking about psychedelics today. Back with us, we have the great and powerful Father Owen Cyclops. Not Father as in the priest, but Father as in an actual father. Owen, you have, uh, you have participated in something that a lot of people are quite, uh, quite envious of. As far as what they're able to get and out of life today, fetishizing, as I just yeah, said. fetishizing exactly. But you're in it. You are in the game right now. You have a beautiful son. And uh, uh, before we get started, I want to ask about your comic. I want to ask about the uh, charity with the stickers, and I also want to ask about the son. So first, on to the son. How's the entire family? How's Mrs. Cyclops <laughs> and all that? Let's get what started. What are we with that. describe it, Lev? In the game, like fatherhood. Is... <laughs> I'm, I'm in the biological game officially. It's official. Uh, nice. Starting out strong. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, man. Thanks for asking. Um, it's going really well. It was pretty crazy at first. The first like two months were insane. Uh, kind of perfectly fit with the holidays. Kind of restarting the studio operation here. But yeah, man, it's going really well. Excellent. And uh, next we have DMT Quest a.k.a. John Chavez. We've known each other for several years now. You've been really big in the, uh, well, just this whole world about finding out what exactly this is all about, what reality is all about, what all these altered states of consciousness are all about, not just including uh, DMT uh, and psychedelics, but also the internal uh, stuff as well. So I would love for you to get a little bit into that, but first just tell us a little bit about yourself and about your books and uh, all that, and the documentary. Yeah, man. I mean, we released a DMT Quest documentary uh, in January of, of this year, so almost a year ago. And um, I think we're tracking almost 700,000 views on YouTube. So you guys got to share it out. Get the numbers up, man. Spread the word that uh, there is some legitimate research going into, I guess, the biomechanisms of altered states and transcendental states and the human potential. So, yeah, I wrote two books, uh, Questions for the Lion Tamer 1 and 2, and it basically uh just focus on the biomechanics of altered states and supernormal states of being and just uh tying in the human potential with all that so yeah we're just uh continuing to chug forward hopefully uh, we can get another episode out another documentary out in 2022 and uh fund some research and really just uh, continue pushing the needle forward excellent and by the way the links to owen's uh, ch uh charity comics all that uh, and as well as dmt quest's uh, books and the video i just posted in the chat uh, all of that can be found in the description below so go there and you're going to find all that stuff and last but not least gnostic informant you have been incredibly uh hot incredibly fiery recently on our uh, twitter uh, streams which we are going to have actually i wouldn't even say after this because it's still going to be a part of this particular stream but we're going to transition into twitter spaces at a certain point and invite you the audience to join us i'm going to post the link to that as well so you guys get a chance to speak but gnostic informant for those who don't know make them know tell us about yourself yeah, my name is Neil. I do a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Gnostic Informant. I make videos about psychedelics, about history, mythology, uh, comparative religion, the Bible, Christianity, Islam, all that good stuff. 
Um, but yeah, psychedelics is definitely a key role into you know what I what I like to uh, focus on because it plays a huge role in our spirituality and uh, you know our, our growth. And there's a lot to unpack here. It's gonna be fun. Excellent. So the title of this stream is whether psychedelics are a trap or whether they're a cure and it could be somewhere in the middle so i'm not expecting binary answers you know we are uh we are a very progressive stream we don't believe in binaries over here i mean no that's a lie but anyway <laughs> i want to get this let's see well let's actually start from um uh gnostic let's start with you where do you see and i know like you could say well this psychedelic does this this psychedelic does that but in general where would you say if you were to be uh, looking at the best psychedelics, like the psychedelics that have created the best outcome from people, as you see, can you tell us a little bit about those and uh, whether they may be a trap or may not be a trap at all? Well, I know that there's a lot of studies on psilocybin mushrooms in particular, helping people with speech problems, with um, mental health issues. And I'm not an expert on that, so I don't want to get too much into what they do and what they don't do. But I will say from my own experience, someone who's not an expert, someone who just has their own experiences, my own uh, evidence of my life, DMT has been a huge, huge life changer for me. I mean, I, I, I consider I, I consider in my life there's a BCAD moment in my life where my eyes were opened up to different uh, mentality, I guess you would say, when it's trying DMT and exploring with DMT and um, I can even just give a little trip report real quick. Well, this is one time it was, this wasn't my first time doing it, but this was the first time I ever broke through. And, uh, I'll tell this reason. I'll tell the story for a reason. I'm actually getting to a point. So I'll, I'll keep it brief too. I saw this being that looked like Brahma and it's floating and it floated up to me with like, you know, the, the, the normal, the geometric shit and the, the crazy colors and lights and, and, uh, but we had this like telepathic communication going on and this is all in my mind right this is what dmt does it brings it's not that you're going up you're kind of going inward right anyways long story short it gave me an experience that actually wanted me to explore spirituality religions uh who we are philosophy where what's the point of all this and also sort of makes you aware that this is all pretty this universe that we're in is weird like this is like understanding that instantly happens on dnt where you're just like this is something i i this is you don't notice this without the dmt like i can't explain it um but the basically what i'm getting at is like for me dmt gave me a uh a, 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 not a purpose but like it sort of opened up my eyes in a sense where it, it caused me to see things in a different light that made me want to explore what truth is, what life is, what everything is, what God is, all that stuff. All those questions came to me from, from, from experimenting with DMT in particular. And uh, I know that Owen, out of all the people here, maybe except for Geo, Owen is the one who would probably disagree with a lot of uh, views on psychedelics uh that you guys have which is why i first want to go to john uh john tell us a little bit about your experience and you mentioned in the chat before that uh, you are much more interested in the uh or specifically focused now on the endogenous dmt 
So uh, can you speak a little bit about what your experiences are with DMT in general or various psychedelics, as well as what you mean by exogenous? And also, where would you put something like DMT, for instance, since we're on the subject of DMT right now, where would you put it as far as spiritual trap versus something that actually has the potential and has helped tons of people for a very uh, long time? Well, my interest has always been about endogenous DMT. I think um, <clears throat> there's a time and place for the psychedelic discussion. You know, I've been at symposiums where there's been a lot of scientists uh, talking about, I guess, utilizing DMT in order to, I guess, break through the materialist uh, paradigm to give people direct experience with the divine. And I think that's just one perspective uh, to use an exogenous substance to induce uh, an experience that can open somebody's eyes. Um, but in terms of, I guess, historically and globally, uh, the conversation around things like near-death experience, I think that's where uh, the endogenous DMT discussion has become pretty pronounced uh, over the past decade or so, being that people have completely transcendental mystical experiences uh, at, I guess, moment of death or, you know, getting close to death. And, uh, you know, the D endogenous DMT has been speculated to be involved with that. A 2019 study at a University of Michigan in animal uh, showcase that there was a 600% increase in the visual cortex uh, following cardiac arrest in terms of endogenous DMT. So there is some sort of data to suggest that uh, DMT does modulate these near-death experiences. And in many cases, people that do have near-death experiences, uh, they cite very similar sort of uh, changes in their perspective of life. Uh, similarly to people that have used exogenous DMT. So that's really my, my focus and my interest is understanding the biomechanics of this stuff, not necessarily just near-death experiences, because nevertheless, even though endogenous DMT might be playing a role in that experience, it's still subjective uh, in order to present that to the world as something real. I think we need to take it uh, a step further and actually go in incremental pathways towards explaining the supernormal and the supernatural uh, for the general public and mainstream science. So that's that's really where I'm coming from with all this. Well, I hope that we get into that as well. But that I would uh, put aside just for a second, uh, because this specific uh, subject revolves around, I would say, more the kind of... Uh, DMT and the kind of psychedelics that we get from these uh, plant sources, from these chemical sources. And eventually I do want to talk about the uh, kind of things that you can uh, bring up from within, which I personally think is that much more significant. But as far as your experiences with uh, the uh, chemical uh, types, what would you say as far as not just your experience, but in general, what are your thoughts on not just the safety of it in terms of one's, uh, you know, putting, in uh, putting oneself in danger, but what is the spiritual potential and spiritual safety of taking something like uh, the external chemicals and plants and whatnot? I think for the most part, the safety profile is pretty well established. 80% uh, of the people will have pretty... Um, I guess safe experiences, like in terms of processing, there is a subset of people that do have really, I guess, uh, traumatic experiences. Even in Rick Strassman's trial, uh, the book uh, DMT, The Spirit of Molecules, Strassman touches upon uh, one of the subjects who didn't have a good experience at all. He was actually raped by uh, crocodiles for like five hours during his DMT experience. So, you know, it's not like 
everything is all good. People can have traumatic experiences and it can give them PTSD. So I think that uh, DMT is probably the, the most captivating because it is endogenous. Um, and the fact that it can give somebody such a, I guess, a massive experience in only 10 minutes, you can go basically from having a cup of coffee with, with a friend to, to being interacting with beings <laughs> in very short order and then coming right back <laughs> and fi finishing that cup of coffee. So <laughs> I think that's where the DMT conversation is very different than things like LSD or psilocybin. But for the most part, physiologically, it's very safe. You even have uh, companies right now uh, testing out exogenous DMT, sub-psychedelic levels of uh, exogenous DMT uh, to address things like stroke, uh, being that it is a very safe compound and has uh, cellular protective aspects of it. Can I just touch on one thing you said real quick? You yeah. So you made a good point because it's not like everyone that's going to try it is going to have a, an amazing, fun, great experience. There are a lot of instances where people have negative responses. Um, and I want to, right away, I thought of uh, the, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous out of, out of all places. His name is Bill Wilson. He talked about using psychedelics as a way to find a spiritual awakening, which is the 12th step of, of AA. But he made it clear that he said that for someone to get to that point might take years and years of recovery and therapy and whatnot. It's that not everybody should just jump right towards the spiritual awakening on day one. It's, hmm. It can be... It could be well, uh, very detrimental, actually. Well, that brings us to the uh, ultimate question, which is uh, what I was asking earlier, having to do with the spiritual ramifications of uh, taking such a thing. And uh, I think I'm going to go now to Owen Cyclops. Owen, I've heard your thoughts on psychedelics before, but let's have a, just like a basic layout of uh, the uh, potential dangers you see with them if we are talking specifically in the uh, spiritual realm here. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, really quick. So I guess in the beginning, we were introducing ourselves. I kind of assume people know who I am, but just 10 seconds in case they don't. You can find me on Twitter, and I just released a book of comics. It's on Amazon. Search my name. I'm shilling my book, but that's basically it. Um, anyway, yeah, so it's interesting because it kind of puts me in like a little bit of a weird position, um, being the antagonist, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> You know, so, it's, like I'm going, it's like I'm going out and I'm like, last yeah, stream like, was legendary. I'm like the, the anti-weed guy. Like, don't smoke weed is like really not the vibe that I'm trying to give off. Oh, um, but I think that for me, it kind of, well, my, my own journey, I did a lot of psychedelics. You know, I'm sure everyone here has. I guess for me, it became interesting. And part of the reason why I'm very interested in it is because I see it breaking in the culture in this very particular way. Um, I guess you could say going mainstream in the culture in a particular way. And I think that a lot of the time um, it's presented as also just before I give this little anecdote. So I really hate when people kind of like project onto me and like assume my own views. So like, I don't know you guys that well. I'm sure you guys are cool guys. You know, I meet people at parties. If someone's into like LSD at a party, it's not like I'm like, oh my God, let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> um, like I'm really, it's really not like that. That's all right. Maybe you uh, should. It'd be better mm -hmm. for you. Oh, by the way, be a little bit closer to Mike, by the way. I noticed that your sound is a wee bit off. Yeah. So... For me, I guess there's one anecdote that I think really sums up my angle and how it fits into my worldview, which is that I went to this ceremony and I was talking with someone and she was telling me about this time that she took peyote and saw her brother talking to her in this fire and her and her mom like talked to her brother in this fire. And that always really stuck with me. 
and I didn't really know why. And as I got more deep into my research about religion, worldviews, uh, philosophy, theology, things like that, I think that that anecdote really stuck in my mind because it's often presented in the mainstream culture or actually specifically within like the psychedelic world itself of people interested in them as I'm just interested in this. I'm kind of like a neutral person. I'm doing psychedelics. I'm gathering this information and trying to figure it out, you know, but the thing is that to take meaningful spiritual information from the experience necessitates fitting it into a larger worldview. It's actually impossible to step into the experience neutrally unless you really are just doing it from a purely scientific perspective. And the peyote thing is perfect because what you think that apparition was makes the meaning of the experience. So if you're going to say, well, it actually was my dead brother in this fire talking to me, that spills back into your worldview. And now do you live in this world where like the dead are just kind of hanging around waiting to talk to us when we take drugs? Like maybe that's real. Or is it a hallucination? Was it 100% fake? And then that affects the meaning that you're taking from the experience? Is it kind of fuzz out into like the collective unconscious? So it's like maybe a little real, but not really. And that became very interested, interesting for me because I was around all these people sort of in the world in a way. And I kind of realized that I was in the middle of this sort of grassroots folk religion. And that usually, again, I'm not saying you guys, but like usually in general, the whole psychedelic package in this time and place kind of comes as a little folk religion. It comes with its own mythology and this lineage that you see yourself as participating in. It has, you know, sort of like rites in a way and a cosmology that you partake of. So I guess part of my interest in it became, how does this fit into a larger worldview? And when I started trying to do that, things became a lot different. And I ultimately came out on the side of, this is not an entirely 100% benevolent thing, which we, I guess we probably maybe all agree on, but I also started to think it was hooked into some larger, weirder, darker things. And it became very difficult for me to systematize everyone's individual experiences while staying on the page of this is a viable, tenable spiritual path for this culture and my spiritual development. Where can you say the uh, darkness lies for you? And I do want to get uh, Nasik and Foreman and DMT Quest to uh, reply to this. Uh, but in general, what would you say would be other than maybe certain confusion as far as what's going to be, you know, around the corner in the afterlife uh, or how the spirit world works? What would you say is the potential, like, really dark outcome that uh, you may be concerned about here? Um. Well, there is a term that they have in Eastern Christian theology that we don't really have here. I think I mentioned this last time on the stream when we talked Prelist. about it. Yeah, called, called prelest. Spiritual delusion. basically spiritual delusion. And I think one thing is that, at least for me personally, when I was in the world of, you know, going to ayahuasca ceremonies and things like that, the idea of being skeptical of these beings or entities or maybe thinking that you're being deceived in some way or hooking it into a larger cohesive framework where there are malevolent and benevolent entities and what the ramifications of that are, it gets pretty dicey pretty quickly. I mean, for example, like you just mentioned this guy getting raped by like alligators for like five hours. I mean, not that that like is the definitive experience, but integrating that into a whole gets very complicated to make it not abstract. I'll give like a tangible thing to grab onto. Like, let's say I go, this actually happened. So let's say I go to this ayahuasca ceremony 
and a woman's like, yeah, I took ayahuasca and um, I saw Ganesh and Ganesh came to me and, you know, X, Y, Z. Okay. Next person. Um, I took ayahuasca and I saw the Virgin Mary and Virgin Mary came to me and told me X, Y, and Z. Okay. Well, the thing is that those integrating those two things is like almost impossible because the spiritual system that Virgin Mary is from doesn't go with the spiritual system that Ganesh is from. So already you're like, so is this like an illusion then? Are we all like tapping into this illusion or what's going on? And that was really the dot, dot, dot that led me on my path, you could say. All right. Who wants to go first? Uh, Gnostic or, okay. Jump in real quick. All right. I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but I think you actually almost answered your concern before you even got to it. Cause you were talking about how each individual sort of has an experience based on who they are and they're, they're going to interpret, Oh, did I see my brother as if, and then they're assuming that's their brother. And now they're going to assume X, Y, and Z. Right. Well, the same thing would happen in a Christian sense, in a worldview. If you grow up, say you grow up Christian or whatever, I don't know where you're from, or you grow up Hindu or so that's going to affect what happens with these trips and DMT quest made a good point. He's talking about a lot of this that we're getting at is all subjective experiences based on something that we can't have. We don't have any tangible something. He's looking to make steps towards uh, being able to promote this on a, um, on a, on a, on a, on a true, like a, 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 a true factual based, I guess that would make, if that makes sense on what this actually is. So but basically what I'm saying is, First of all, the, the, when, you, when someone, one person sees Ganesh and another person sees Mary, it's not about trying to say, is that the same thing? And we're trying to connect the two together. What we're really doing is, what is the psychology of the person and uh, actually having this experience? That's what we should focus on. Not trying to pull all this out and connect it all together into one worldview. Because we have to assume is Christianity the true worldview or is Hinduism the true worldview or is, and as far, as far as I'm concerned, you can't do that. We can't. And well, that is, would be my question though. Why should we focus on that rather than focus on what is like, why, why should we focus on that? Because, well, I, I think the most important thing here is that th this isn't, this is this, we're taking a substance that we're ingesting a substance. This is what's causing this. This isn't just like, magic this isn't just like god is literally coming down and doing this you this there's some people that actually no, i know they do and but and, that, and that's that's the subjective thing so but and, that, and that's what I, that's what i was getting at with what dm quest was talking about we're, we're trying to get to the real what is this what's really happening in our minds is this like is there's this the psychology behind it i think is what's affecting how we interpret it what what causes bad trips all that stuff that I'm not qualified to talk about, but as I think that we should be focusing on to try to make this thing more usable, more more accessible, I guess you'd say. So that's all I got. Oh, and then a response, and I want to go DMT Quest as well. Yeah, your audio is cutting out a little bit, slowing down. But um, I guess from my perspective, I was going to mention that it's not even just psychedelics. Uh, that can cause, I guess, a shift in worldview and kind of leave somebody like not really understanding what they see or, or how they feel about the world. I mean, things like alien abductions and near-death experiences and even meditative states where people tap into um, interacting with deceased loved ones. 
um, all this stuff can really change a person's worldview and leave somebody very disoriented. So it's like, it's not just a, for me, it's, it's all altered states, whether it be psychedelics or, or something induced uh, from other manners, you know, we can all be disoriented. And that's part of the growth process though, right? Is having these weird experiences, however you have them, and then they, they force you to think about the world in a different way. Exactly. And it's not just a psychedelic thing. It's just, it's a life thing. And it doesn't even have to be mystical per se, but for whatever reason, the mystical experiences seem to induce uh, these big questions mm -hmm. and a reframing of the mental framework of how the world works. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. sure. But when we decide whether something is a net positive or net negative, it's like one of those, uh, what do you call it? Those uh, tests where they would have a, a couple of grains of sand and then they would have a pile of sand. And the question is, at what point does a couple of grains become a pile? At what point do certain problems that Owen Cyclops is bringing up become so much of a problem that it is something for people to address, not just saying that, oh, it's going to happen sometimes, uh, it's fine, but actually saying like, no, this is such a big deal, we got to do something to stop it. So, Owen, I don't know if you would be drastic as far as saying, you know, we need to stop it, but uh, what would you say are the dangers the DMT Quest and Gnostic Informant are not quite addressing here that regardless of how it's looked at or analyzed, this is something that is going to happen to enough people so it's not grains of sand, but it is a pile of sand that it's going to create some problems down the line? Um, well, I wouldn't phrase it that way because I don't want to be intentionally antagonistic. But um, I think that... The, the, so the, I think the difference in worldview is kind of partially what's interesting. Like it's, it's very possible to just like kind of smash the rocks together of like, is this good or is this bad? And like nothing really happens. But I think the differences of worldview is interesting because like the way that you guys are talking about it is not exactly the way that I see it because the question of, for example, is Ganesh real? That has an answer. The answer is yes. And then there's an explanation or the answer is no. And there's an explanation. The spiritual world isn't just like fuzz of like grayness. There are things that are true and things that are false. So the, the way that you're talking about it is kind of like, well, it's like reorienting or changing your perspective or, but the thing is that at the end of the day, there are things that are true and false about reality that incorporates the spiritual. And once you recognize that, integrating these experiences with that becomes very difficult. I guess my question is who dictates that? Who dictates whether something is 100% real or not real? No one. Reality is reality regardless of what anyone thinks. Yeah, I guess I, I understand that. But from a subjective perspective, I mean, like, um, I don't know the, the name of the God that you just stated, the person Ganesh. saw under us. Ganesh. The reality is too good to be true. That's what Boji So is that, is that real or is that fake? Ganesh. Uh, I don't know. I have my suspicions, but what What's I your suspicion? Think, well, I will, I will answer, but what I think isn't, it, like, so my answer isn't what creates reality. If I said, yeah, 100%, Ganesh is 100% real. And he's not that wouldn't change anything but the same so thing, my, but the my same point, thing so my point is more that mm -hmm. so like the point is that i feel like you, just to be totally clear it's not like who gets to dictate what reality is that question in and of itself points to the difference because the reality still exists no matter what if god is real and every person on earth thinks he's not he's still real if god's not real and everyone's religious then it's still a lie you know so like in the spiritual realm 
there still are things that are true and false, just like us talking right now, just like you're sitting at a desk, I'm sitting at a desk. Um, I think I get you just yeah. what you're getting at. And, it, and here's, here's, here's what I would say to that. So you, I wouldn't go to like a, a devout Shia Muslim and tell him that he needs DMT to get to Allah. I, this is like a, I, I don't want to say that this is, this isn't something that you push on other people as a solution to their problems. This is something that people seek out for themselves. This is all inner stuff. This is all the self. This is all the deep psyche. This isn't something that I would want to give to, Hey, Christianity, this will help you out. Uh, Hey, you Hindus over there, you should try this. This to me is a different alternative to a, let's say, Christian worldview path. If you're a Christian. I can totally understand why you would think this is probably some uh, some gateway to Satan or something. I understand that. That's your worldview based on your life experiences. You have every right to believe that. However, at the end of the day, there's also people who benefit from taking these substances who have spiritual awakenings that change their lives forever and they go on to do great things and have families and life is good after that like but 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 i have to I have to be honest not everyone has that some people have really bad trips they go crazy they might jump off a building that can happen too so i think it's good that i people like myself we don't just try to shove it down people's throats and tell them this is the solution mm. it's not but i also i i want to i want to recognize that i know what you're getting at and I think you're right. From 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 certain worldviews, this is probably not the good the go to thing. But in terms of well, again that uh, weird ass uh, sack equation that I talked about, uh, or would you say that the problems that you see Gnostic informant are for you more like the grains of sand as opposed to just being this giant sack of sand? Uh, in terms of the things that people have to deal with. For example, we well, could say that drinking, like drinking alcohol, you would discourage, in general, drinking, you know, consumption of alcohol to a certain extent where it just gets erratic, you know, doing uh, cocaine, doing heroin. Like, we could objectively say that this becomes so much of a problem, even though some people can handle it really well, right? You know what so, else we could objectively say? We could objectively say that, that, that those drugs that you just mentioned are more harmful than DMT. Well, that's the, that's the interesting I don't know part about cocaine, then. So, though. I mean, I, <laughs> cocaine's built empires in my life. Yes. No, but this is, I think this is the uh, interesting part here. So, Owen, I know that uh, this, you're not trying to put yourself even in the position of saying that you completely object to the use of psychedelics, but I really want to detail, like, what exactly are the uh, potentially horrible ramifications where it is going to be enough people that are going to be experiencing this experiencing this that you could you know have this position of not advocating for it like if somebody were to ask you well, hey I owen should i try ways. should i try some dmt should i try some ayahuasca then you'd kind of be like hey slow down buddy here's why like why that position uh specifically like when people ask me if they should do it or not yeah why i would say no um yeah i do say no yeah um i think that for most people <laughs> To, to be totally honest, I think most people, I don't think anyone here fits into this category, honestly, but I think for most people, they've never really uh, poked around in the world of a worldview and a philosophical understanding of things and what's true and what's false in terms of building a larger worldview. So I've seen people all the time who take it and then assume that the information that they received on the substance is true or it kind of warps things in a certain way. And I think for most people opening up the hood of your car and really poking around in there, 
gets really crazy really fast. And, you know, I guess that makes me sound pretentious because then it's like, well, are you in column A and you can like quote unquote handle it or column B and you can't. But I think that as it breaks in the culture and becomes normalized and like Vice News and BuzzFeed are like, do ayahuasca. You're, I think being realistic, even if I was pro the substances, you're going to catch a lot of people in the net who are going to unhinge themselves from reality. I don't disagree. Uh, like, oh, I think you're right about that. Yeah. So it shouldn't just be given out like, hey, try this. Like, I, I, I would say the same thing. I like would say Timothy Leary, let's put it in the water. Sort of right. Deal. No, it's, yeah. I agree with you. This is not just something that everyone should just go do because this is serious. You said mental health is a big deal. And we're like you said, we're we're exploring our minds by taking this substance. To it's like, it, but like, and I do want to address one more thing you said about is this real or is this not? The information that I get was that real or not? I mean, that's like saying if you had a weird dream or a nightmare, is that like saying should I t listen to that nightmare or should I listen to that? Because really, it is like a dream in a way. It's like it, it, it's more, it's more or less not that you're trying to take the information and do something with it. It's more or less is is this is this experience of helping me in any way and if it's not maybe i shouldn't do it if it's hurting me maybe i shouldn't do it but for some but my focus is on those people that it does help that's what i want to focus on because it does have some 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 really good uh positive net mm. uh things for certain people especially not even just dmt like psilocybin mushrooms and uh, well, this uh, this could be the point in the conversation well, where I can go back in time to the conversation we were having with Owen Cyclops and Daniel Pinchbeck. By the way, uh, uh, thank uh, you so much, uh, John, for uh, kind of uh, nudging Daniel to do that stream. And uh, it was a very interesting stream, to say the least. But uh, what was the question, Owen, that you were uh, giving to uh, Daniel so that now uh, John and the Gnostic Informant could kind of be in his place? Yes. What was the question uh, that really made him, um, you know, get a little bit agitated? Do you recall? Like, what was the thing? What was the thing? That, that was the No Ropes um, Wire match of a stream. I think that, well, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this to not make myself sound like a dick, to be totally honest with you. I think that... Um, when we start getting involved in other people, I mean, again, I'm not gonna say this every single time I say anything, I'm not saying you guys are doing this, but right. I think that in general, when we start getting involved in other people's spiritual lives, or we even start taking the reins in our own spiritual lives, what you start to use as criteria. And when you start doing that, it gets very complicated because the thing is for most people that I encounter in the psychedelic world, at least when I was a more in it, it's kind of like what you just said, where it's like, well, you know, yeah, X, Y, and Z, like maybe this person saw this, you didn't just say this, maybe this person saw this God and they weren't real, or maybe they started getting into new age and they think some weird stuff about crystals and that's not real, you know, whatever, but they stopped drinking and they stopped smoking and, and they really got their life together, man. So, I mean, how can you say that's a bad thing? Like they, I, I see all these improvements in this person's life. The thing is though, that's, and this is what we talked about the last stream that time, that's kind of what every religion or spirituality has. When you talk to Mormons, that's like the first thing they'll tell you. And if Mormons come to your house and you give them like a hard argument, that's what they'll fall back on. They'll say, well, look, you're telling me all this stuff about Joseph Smith, but I've seen the good things that this has done for my life and my family. And my uncle used to be an alcoholic and my dad used to beat my mom. And then we got into Mormonism and now you wouldn't even believe how different it is, dude. So how can you say that this isn't the, that this isn't right, right what I'm doing, but those things aren't conditional on whether or not, you know, would, no one here would accept that as a positive argument for 
the Book of Mormon or something, or for Mormonism being like a positive spiritual path that we should be promoting. You can so, say that about any religion. You can say that about whatever your religion is or Christianity. Yes, I, yes, I would not present that as argument for religion for that exact reason. Yeah, Although, that's uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, I have a longer point, but maybe if John well, wants to what was go the question, before. Though? I, I well, to... before uh, before John, I wanted to also uh, find out from Owen. So there's there major was a specific... geocentrism going on in this. Right, right. No, 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 Geo, Geo you're going to out. you're going to go no, on the I'm you're going to go on the soapbox get... just in a bit. But before that, first okay. of all, everybody subscribe Patreon. Geo harassment. Remember Trump used to do presidential oh, harassment. All right, but be, no, but before that, just just uh, oh. to continue this uh, thing uh, with. Wait, the, okay, uh, wait. Can I just say one other thing really quick? Sorry. Sure. One other thing, just as long as we're, I'm kind of wrapping up my like. Yes. This is like my. I don't want to say case, but. One other thing, though, is that appealing to the subjective nature of it, and it's a personal thing, becomes very complicated when people have shared psychedelic experiences. It's like mm. in the story that I just told, the mom and the daughter both saw the brother in the fire. So to step backwards and say, well, it's just happening in you and in yourself, I mean, that becomes now you're talking about like an astronomical like coincidence or something because two people saw the same thing. So anyway, that's kind of my little loop and of I, and I could lead things to tied together. And I could lead that into something else later on when it comes to certain spiritual decisions having to do with willpower. But before that, and before the geo, uh, the geo soapbox, which is coming very soon, I want to ask one final question, Owen, regarding the Daniel Pitchback conversation, which is there were some studies that were mentioned, and I believe this is what he got really angry about when you were picking uh, certain uh, things that were going on in these studies where people reported, you know, having these experiences and then they came back. Well, do you recall, and if not, we can skip it, but do you recall what specifically we're talking about in relation to those studies? Yeah. So leading off, it is not that I reject all studies or like the medical data, like in toto. Um, like I know, John, you were saying that you are, you're, you're probably looking at some pretty cool stuff, honestly. It sounds pretty cool. So it's not like I'm amazing. Like, oh, oh. Yeah, so it's not like I'm like, oh, the science is like fake or something like that. Specifically, what we were talking about was... A little bit studies, louder. Oh, specifically what well, we were talking science about... science is fake, Owen. That's the problem. Obviously. Um, specifically, what we were talking about was that there are some studies that are, I guess I could say, purely psychological and not rooted more in the hard science of biomechanisms and things like that, where basically I'm thinking of a study from John Hopkins, but I didn't pull it up or anything, but there are a lot of studies like this where they'll take someone and say, you know, you did ayahuasca. Is your life better now? Um, are you happier X, Y, and Z? And they'll sort of just see how it improved people's life and purport to turn it into quantitative data. And as someone coming at it from a spiritual perspective, that is the kind of thing that I actually do reject across the board, honestly, because I don't think, I think it's very naive to think that someone can assess their own life while they're in it and what is causing X and what's causing Y and something like even a person's own happiness is a very subjective, weird thing. If you took my parents, for example, and you ask them, when are you the happiest? They might say, when we're all watching TV together, but no one would ever present that as data to show that television makes you happier. And now we know the television makes you happier. Isn't it relative though? Like, like the Mormon, for example, the Mormon, he, he finds a family, he improves his life through this religion. We all look at that like Mormon's dumb, but for him, it improves his life. That I'm not going to tell him to stop being a Mormon because I think it's dumb. If it's improving his life, then he should be Mormon. 
if DMT is helping somebody, I don't know, find their purpose in life, and for someone else, it, they think they met the devil, those experiences are relative to that person. Mm. There is also there is also a monthly thing though, and what I want to ask uh, I want to ask John well, Chavez this again. Don't worry, Gio, we are going to get to you very 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 soon. I want to quickly just ask uh, John Chavez about this as well, but also ask in general when these studies are done, how far in advance do they take a look at uh, the people's progress? Because psychedelics they go they're still in the system for months afterwards and that affects a person a certain way and then the question is not even just like one year afterwards but what about like 10 years 20 years 30 years afterwards what exactly is going to happen to these people i've met plenty of these burning man people that have uh burned out you know to borrow the same phrase and they've done plenty of psychedelics in their own time and i think that there's a lot of uh you know danger that uh they uh, ended up uh, incurring upon themselves you know, through burning themselves out, through just, like, going down the stripey whole time and time again. But uh, DMT Quest, what say you specifically related to the study thing that Owen was bringing up? And then I swear to God I'm going to go to Geo. Everybody subscribe. Hashtag Geo Harassment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it depends on the study that we're looking at, right? If somebody is, like, a um, an alcoholic and they get a very clean-cut, I guess, sort of effect from ayahuasca in, in which, mm. you know, they don't need to imbibe in alcohol anymore. That's a pretty straightforward sort of situation. I think what Cyclops was talking about was um, kind of like the more questionnaire aspects of studies that don't really look at brain imaging. Um, they they kind of just, uh, they're just questionnaires. And those are a little bit harder to, they're not really, like he said, it's not so much as a, a tangible hard science. It's more of like a subjective thing. But I mean, I think I think that's a good point that you brought up, Lev, is like people that are burners and then you see them where they just can't get away from just imbibing in these substances. And it's almost like they there's progression and then there's digression and there's not really any path that they're on. They're just it's chronic exploration just to explore rather than to build something. At least that's what it seems outwardly in some cases. So I think um, frequency of usage is very important. Uh, dosage is very important. It's not just like a one cut thing, right? Like one, we're just talking about psychedelics in, in one framework. I mean, there's like nuances and all these things. So yeah, that's kind of my perspective. Geo, it's your time to shine. All right. Hashtag Geo harassment. Um, it's, well, I think I wanted to talk about, I guess, to bracket the actual experience itself because it's like every time we have one of these streams, it seems that we're getting caught up in the utilitarian approach of does it benefit people and is it valid and blah, blah, blah. I think that to look at the gestalt of like how psychedelics has been sort of in the last, I would say 20 to 15 years has been sort of um, streamlined within Western society, how a lot of, I would say nefarious people are sort of, using it as a form of like i wouldn't what would you call it like industrial level self-help therapy or something like how a bunch of silicon valley nerds uh, are you know bombing dmt and then like going on some weird like transhuman and post-human sort of uh like train of thought like to me it, these things are not neutral in the sense like the pre-last idea is quite interesting because if if you say that a substance can allow a certain form of like spiritual delusion then it's not necessarily something that 
in terms of like a Pandora box, Pandora's box, you want to like really go down because like there's a lot of people who like the microdosing thing is fascinating because um, there's this one chapter in the uh, Psychopolitics book by uh, Byung Chul Han where he talks about emotional capitalism and he talks about how the sort of like self-help industrial complex is such a big deal nowadays because it's a way in which you can come to terms with the fact that you're like a cog in like the global homogenous like neoliberal regime uh, machine and the sort of mass like ennui and like displacement and rootlessness that we see in western civilization it seems that like the older attitude of drugs that make you productive or sort of that's gone out the wayside now it's sort of drugs that can give you a self-insight but when it comes to actual like real world comportment and behavior it's not going to transcend anything beyond like having an insight into your own self because like i remember this and i know i shouldn't pick on him and i know it's kind of bad form but like there was that one clip where uh, Daniel Pinchbeck was with his, his uh, friend Russell Brand, and he's like, what if we give all the world leaders uh, DMT? And everyone was clapping, of course, you know. But I'm like, the truth is that, yeah, a lot of world leaders have done DMT, and a lot of them are ghouls, and a lot of them are terrible, and a lot of them think that, I hate to say it, but Alex Jones was right, that a lot of them think they contact demons through these experiences. Um but I think that is he right is Alex Jones right about that though? Like where where I think he's right. We have data for that though. It sounds kind of well because there's always been mystery cults throughout human history, right? And it's like if we we're not immune to that sort of reality. And so I think the problem is when we reify the psychedelic experience outside of their original cultural context and and sort of shamanic origins into something when you bring that into a higher civilization that was built ostensibly on the back of Christianity, then it's like there's a lot of cross-wiring going on that I think we're not accounting for. And then you get to the forces of emotional capitalism and psychopolitics. Now you have something that promises liberation as another form of control in like a weird, inverted way, which is like, I think that's the problem. That's probably the biggest danger. As for like the subjective experience, I mean, a lot of people say that I don't know, like being a furry or BDSM is proving them, providing them some kind of like, and by the way, Lev, please get rid of messy tells them. <laughs> we gotta lock this down. Get rid of that right now. I, I do it's not, not just messy tales though. It's my fertile textile. Get a Texas in oh, Texas God. and howdy, y'all. I don't think of fertility. When I think of messy tales, I don't think of fertility in life. I think of death, okay? That is death worship. So, anyways, yeah, that's my point. I think that's my Messy little Tales spiel. is I the new that... Shiva destruction. <laughs> oh, but I, no, God. no, Geo. I understand your point, but it is interesting yeah. for me to focus on what exactly is the uh, the braised grounding here that a lot of people, especially in the chat, are leading towards. And I think it does have to do with there being a certain amount of order, because you could say that a lot of the modern <laughs> religions they all stem from uh, mystery cults themselves. Within the mystery cults, there are orders. Within these organized religions, there are orders. Even, I guess you could say that within a hippie commune, you'd usually have, like, the alpha, you know, some father Yod figure who would be, you know, like, the, uh, yeah. you know, the, the main guy to, dish, kids, out all, yeah, to dish out all the rules. So I'd see a lot of order in various, uh, you know, various things with hierarchy. But when I look at just, like, these various Burning Man people, these various uh, free-wheeling types just doing whatever they want without well, any order in place. Well, they're the elite, according to Moldbug. They're the elite. 
Yeah, but like, but if there is no order, <laughs> well, then... Well, you know the Burning Man yeah. people, they're on the cusp, they're the cutting edge. But, but at the same time, Gio, but at the same time, Gio, I would not dish out that same order to somebody like, uh, you know, like, think of, like, I I don't know, Egon Schiele, or think of, uh, you know, his uh, predecessor, what's the name, his mentor? Gustav Klimt. Gustav Klimt, exactly. I wouldn't put those people in the category of people who needed to subscribe to this very regimented setting there are some you know like alexander bard always talks about you're going to have a class of people who are the shamans who are the artist uh, class but as far as the rest of them i don't think a lot of those people who go well, to burning man are of that characteristic so i'm curious like what well, do you guys think of geo's point in relation to the need to have more uh, order established in a lot of these various uh, things including uh, psychedelic well, let usage me just I could comment like briefly sure. on Egon Sheila. Like, I mean that when when you like go to the absolute possible limits of human eroticism, like he did in his artwork. I mean that I wouldn't subscribe. I wouldn't like you know prescribe that to anybody, let alone even Egon Sheila. I mean to the point where his artwork literally destroyed him. The way that it like you know what I mean. If you okay, fine, that's Shila, a bad example. But there are wrong. other artists out there who are not Egon Sheila who well, nevertheless were able example to. Example of someone whose artwork has, I that's why they censor him now because he exposes that form of eroticism that is on the absolute darkest fringes, and so that's why you know he gets canceled so much nowadays, saying like he can't show his work because it's not sex positive mm. or whatever, right? Like that's. But in order to go to those depths, you have to, like, do some very despicable and disgusting things, which he's, you know, he admitted he did in his lifetime, you know, and it ultimately killed him. Mm. I mean, so, yeah, maybe that is a bad Yeah, example. no, but if that is the nadir or oh, however what you, you phrase that. Yeah. What do I think about him? Uh, it's not related to psychedelics, but probably a lot of things we talk about aren't. He's cool. You're actually blowing my mind because I never thought about Klimt and him knowing each other, but mm -hmm. I don't want to go too off into the forest. I mean, I could, but. Yeah. Klimt was a Klimt was a, 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 a strange hound as well. He used to bang aristocrat women yes. all the time. So for he cut uh, half the lords in Europe. So for the last conversation that we had about well, artists, uh, you know, they can't be salesmen. What is a bigger example of salesmanship than shagging a uh, you know well-off to do no, uh, lady? Can I just ask yeah. a question based yes. on what I want to ask Gio a question about what he said, and I, I just want to understand you a little better. Is it you're saying that the problem? lies in like look we, there's we have elitists who are bad people and because they some of, some of them do dmt therefore it's probably bad for society as a whole is that what you're saying no no i'm saying that um well like it's a, it's sort of more of an anthropological question of is it our right to take these things out of their contexts within these shamanic tribes and sort of mass produce them or rather give the experience into like a touristy sort of mass production and sort of use these substances to such a degree where they become just another sort of self-help device that which is like a lot of like most research into psychedelia isn't really from it used to be in the 70s it was mostly religious and anthropological studying but now that like the sort of silicon valley people have gave money to it and a lot of like biomedical industrial complex people are looking into it i fear for the future of what psychedelics are going to produce in terms of like i don't know we're going to live in some uh island brave new worlds uh you know what are they the, what is the drug called soma but uh there was another drug in oh, island 
Yeah, well, yeah, but like in um the way that it, in Brave New World there was another drug they called it. Um, I think it was called Soma. Yeah. So yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but well, like I, I think, think the sort of idea of like psychopharmacology. Well, that's that's the point of actually studying this and having it like this guy's this goes back to the DMT's opening statement, DMT Quest's opening statement, when he was talking about let's get out of this subjective, let's get out of the the uh, like you said, should we take them out of their context from the mystery cults and let's actually figure out why it's doing what it's doing and if we can use that as a tool get to the actual truth the, the objective truth of what this stuff is um and as far as the other i mean like I, I said this before i'll say it again everybody has different uh everyone has a different worldview so it is relative like i i i have to make that very clear i'm not saying that the this should be embraced by the whole world I'm saying th if there's something to this thing, it should be explored and, and tested out and tried out. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying um, we should give it to kids in school and stuff like that and have everyone mm -hmm. try it. Like, that's not, I, I hope that's clear by well, now. You know yeah, there are yeah. people I think who are strong enough to, but, but mm -hmm. I wanted to go back. Well, to also, like, Owen, I think, I think Owen wanted to oh, reply yeah, to that. Yeah. One, one thing really quick. So it's, it's like tangentially related. I'm sure like a lot of things will hit will be like tangentially related. Um, but it is a really, really, really interesting philosophical question that has kind of been like under the surface this whole time where, um, so I don't know if I should, should I call you Gnostic informant. Is that what you go by? Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you said if someone's Mormon and it makes them happy, they should just, they should be Mormon, right? It's a really interesting question that I think anyone involved with spirituality has to answer because that's just a good example. I've been kind of picking on the Mormons, but I actually like them a lot. But either, oh, yeah. either that Shout really out to happened. our good friend Tux ben loves you, and yeah. Tux well, love you. Well, it's and a Tux good example because either that really happened and the Mormon Church is true, or the Mormon Church is wrong and it's all a lie. So well, the, that, que the question is though: Is it better for someone to believe a lie if it makes their life better in every way? Because it's not that it's, not that it's better; it's that for that one person. In particular, it seems to be improving. Like, because then you then then you have to ask that question for every single spiritual path on the planet, and even the, non even non spiritual paths, right? Yeah, exactly. Philosophy in general, you have to ask that for everything, and which we already are doing. So then it becomes who's right, who has the objective truth, reality. I mean, that's what philosophy is. That's the, the whole point of philosophy. No one has that answer. There's not you can't point to a religion and say this is proven true and I can I can demonstrate this right now. You can't do that. So well, as, far as, far, that. as far you I can't the, as far as I know you can't. The Mormons mm. are just as wrong or right as a regular Christian or But a Jew. Uh, but there there is another thing I could throw in here. So even though we don't know exactly what is right, we could say that there are certain trends in religions where let's say i don't know doing unto others as, we, as you would have done unto you something that you know not every religion shares but it's out there certain things so, that we can yeah. recognize no, we are an objective good That's... and they're in various religions and as long as people do those things like i was telling geo the last stream that we had uh, the later part of it i don't personally care and i know this is very controversial in these circles i don't really care whether jesus was a living being or not what i care about is whether the after effects of there being this idea of Jesus cause people to act in such a way that makes them actually, you know, go higher up in the hierarchy of spiritual, uh, spiritual which awareness. Mormon, which brings you back to the Mormon. I mean, he's not, and you can't demonstrate, he can't demonstrate his religion to be true any more than someone can demonstrate that Jesus resurrected. 
It's just it's just a fact. But that yeah, but that doesn't actually change anything that there is an actual objective reality that exists. It doesn't matter. If I say I'm God and a bunch of people start following me in a little cult, I could just say to you, well, you can't prove that I'm not God, but I'm not. I still wouldn't be. There still is an objective reality that exists mm. beyond that that then has ramifications. And it's just an interesting philosophical question of, well, if I did that, let's just say I did that and I had a bunch of people following me. If all would their lives were improved, would they follow you though? Because then, because then you could say anything. You can just be, you can use any example. But like it, exactly. So we have to be oriented towards what is true. We have to be oriented, like you just said. That's the whole point of philosophy. We have to be oriented towards, and even if we can't point to one thing and say this is true, it still is a guiding principle that precludes us from saying, "Well, you're believing something that might be a lie, but it improved your life, so it's kind of a wash." And for me, that's where it gets really interesting because when you're in the spaces and someone's like, you know, I came to this conclusion that like, I'm like, a, I'm kind of like a God. I'm not God. I'm not crazy, but you know, I'm like a fallen divinity and this world is an illusion. The world is an illusion around me. So I don't get upset about anything anymore because this world isn't even real, man. But the world it matters if that's true or not. Exactly. And the world will respond to that. The world, the, his surroundings will tell that person if he's really got people will believe him or they won't. And then, and, to be clear, they won't. There might be some people following them, but like, look at look at like, take the craziest Scientology for example. What's going on with Scientology? Is it growing or is it shrinking? It's actually shrinking. Really, it's actually on its way out because. People, oh, thank God! You know, and and and, and to Christianity's strength, it's stuck along. It's it's staying around. It's getting, it's doing what it's been doing, because of what Lev was saying. Because it has principles that people like. People enjoy it. People it fulfills their lives that's why it's always going to be there but like as far as demonstrating objectively that like you said there is an objective truth yes but we don't know for sure what that is yet we're not there yet no i, I would add a caveat to for that me, though because christianity I, is just true and that's why people gravitate yes. for it. no i would Anyways, add one hold on, hold on. i <laughs> want to add one caveat Gio, i want to add one quick, quick caveat to what i was talking about earlier which is i disagree with gnostic and that i don't think is just no, a matter no. oh re real quick i'll be done I don't think it's a – don't worry, Gio. I'm not suppressing you. I, I said something first. Driver's right of way. Anyway, when, uh, when Gnostic was mentioning this, I don't think it is purely for the satisfaction of the uh, individual person. I really do think that by doing something that is, whether we know it or not, an objective good, then that person gets closer to God, that they get closer to the state of understanding what all of this is about through the process of, at the very least – adopting something that is good so it's not just for their own benefit i see this as being something that would aid in the transformation of people to a higher state that's all i want to say but i think that there are objective measures of what people okay a lot of people were saying we don't know what constitutes success or happiness i think we do we sort of have a very meta level of what is eudaimonia what leads to flourishing in life i think those are pretty much object as much as i'm like you know a postmodernist, but I, th I do think that there are certain truths to existence that are that do bear out in terms of what produces, you know, human flourishing, not happiness in the sense of what is contentment in life. Because, for example, like you have the ha quote unquote happiest countries in the world in Scandinavia that have the highest anhero rates. I can't say the word on YouTube. I, I want to avoid saying the word, but you, you know, anhero, right? Yes. So that. Japan is another example. Although I would say Japan is more of a 
complex and complicated society when it comes to their level of happiness and so forth. But I wanted to get to what uh, DMT Quest, what John, you were saying about endogenous versus exogenous. I think that is probably a less debated upon thing in, in a lot of like psychedelic communities because a lot of it's predicated on DMT and the strongest thing. But when you talk about other spiritual practices that can induce different spiritual states, I mean... That, I, I think that's probably gets lost in translation because unfortunately a lot of people from my experience in like these new age groups, a lot of them, they sort of took the McKenna thing to heart where they're like, well, if you have the key to all existence, then why would you take anything else? So I, I, <laughs> I think like that's probably a, a good discussion. So maybe go over some of your research in this field. Well, you know, one of the, so DMT is, I guess, really important in terms of a communicative, it kind of offers a communicative bridge of sorts for hardcore engineer materialists. And then you have the spiritual realms over here, and then you have the psychedelic people over here. And it it's like a point of convergence in terms of conversation, because I think most people have had a mystical experience, you know, at least once. That really had them questioning like was that real and i feel like i did experience that but i really don't know the framework with which to put that in so i think uh, that's where the endogenous dmt conversation offers most of its um i guess uh power in terms of like the biomechanics of like altered states of consciousness and things like that you know dmt isn't anything new altered states have been around forever we're just trying to better uh, i guess uh, place DMT within the states of, uh, you know, these these altered states that induce uh, spiritual experiences. You know, to be quite honest, I think it's um, this specific era of human history. We're going to be rewriting spirituality as a whole. We're all we're all going to be trying to figure out uh, like the big picture framework of how does this religion tie in with this religion, with this alien stuff, with this near death experience stuff, and we're going to be putting together a a much more comprehensive picture than any one religion. And, and that's really where my interest is, uh, not just in supernormal abilities and maybe reverse engineering some of the things that, you know, have been written about in the mystical texts and Christianity and things like that, but also, uh, yeah, building a, a bigger, more comprehensive framework of reality that I think it's overdue. I think religion is, is great, has its uh, purpose in terms of creating structure for people. And I think structure helps uh, alleviate anxiety for a lot of people. So I think that's one of the, the basic foundations of the benefits of, of religion. But I think going forward, we have a lot of interesting explorers that either they use psychedelics or alter states of consciousness, or they had a near-death experience, and they all want to contribute to the future framework of the complexity of reality. Well, this would be a good time to bring up Seraphim Rose and his book, Religion of the Future, which I know you're very familiar with, Owen. Uh, I think you're very familiar with it. I'm not sure. I don't want to speak out of turn here, but uh, let me know. Like, what would you? What would be your retort to what DMT Quest was talking about as far as this uh, discover this ability to discover things with the various religions uh, that's uh, going on today and may go on in the future to the extent that he was talking about? Um, well, it kind of comes back to what I was saying before, where it literally exactly what you just described is new age. That's literally what new age is. You just gave a perfect description of it. So it kind of comes back to what I was saying, where often the view presents as worldview neutral, but in reality, in my mind, it's just like I'm talking to someone who 
is part of a religion. That's not a bad thing, but I don't see it as worldview neutral. I mean, what you just said, literally, I, not, not that it makes it wrong, but you could just tear it right out of like the Wikipedia article on what new age is, because that's exactly the view that we're about to step into this new time period where we can finally kind of merge the religions together in a way. I know it's not exactly what you said, but now I'm kind of like going off. Um, and so for me, I think it's just really important to realize that it's not an objective view. It's a view that is hooked into a larger cohesive system. And I think that for me, it falls apart because I think that something that most people don't know, honestly, is that the religions make mutually exclusive claims that are not able to be stacked on top of one another. The world religions are mutually exclusive 90 plus percent of the time in a way yeah. that makes it so that stacking them over each other basically just boils down to like, be a good person, but then even what that means and how that fits into a larger framework is different. Hmm. So that yeah, was saying to like, I guess, for example, it's basically a presupposition. It's a presupposition that it's new age. It's an, it's basically like the new age presupposition that I disagree with. I'm not sure if that's yeah, the, what DMT like, Quest was talking about, but uh, go on. Well, yes. New age is not yeah. new either. Got people got to remember that new age is they we call it new age now, but the what is t actually taking place in these new age circles has been going on for thousands of years. There's always been people who tried to mi mix religions together, especially when after the time of Alexander the Great, the Hellenized world, everybody was mixing religions. Ammon became equivalent to Zeus. This has all been happening for thousands of years. We just call it new age now. The reason why it appeals to a lot of people is because they see that as more freedom than a religion that has a textbook that has to a dogmatic uh, has doctrines and this. People get turned off by that because they want their freedom, mm, which is yeah. that's why that's why a new age yeah. does what it does. But it does. But it, kids it, get exactly, turned off from wanting to clean their room. Kids get turned right, off from wanting to be brought. You're exactly, right, you're exactly right in the fact that it, you you are just doing what you want with it. It's like you're just like. Uh, this is my this is this is my religion. Like, here it is. But but I don't uh, but I don't think this is what DMT Quest was right talking here. about though. Unless I'm mistaken, you were talking about more of the analysis of a lot of these past religions to such an well, extent saying, that we never got a chance to do so before. I want to make sure DMT Quest. Do I have you? Do well, I understand you correctly? I, it's not about stacking them on to each other. It's just it's the obvious fact that a lot of them are they don't resonate with the youth. They don't resonate with people of a certain educational background for whatever reason. You know. And I'm getting to the I'm, what I'm getting at is that they're just not comprehensive enough. There's I don't know if religions really integrate the whole UFO thing that we're obviously going to be stepping into probably in the next year on a mainstream perspective. So that's what I'm saying. We're going to need like a, a much more comprehensive view of of how the world works. And uh, I don't even know what New Age is. I'm not a New Ager. I, this is the first time I've heard that what I'm speaking about is New Age, but um, that's why I said uh, people call it New Age. It's not really new. It's just a word. It's just a word we use to describe things that are uh, heretical to certain religions or whatever. And I don't um, know. I think if you were to integrate most sort of trends in religion or lessons, barring like polytheism, I think that Christianity is pretty much like a good, like Emmanuel Christianity is pretty much a good middle position within. A lot of different trends of faith both in the ancient world and in modernity i think like that's why it's been able to be so successful mm. quote unquote but are but we I talking about integration though geo 
Like, are we talking about integration yeah, or are we talking about being able to have a much clearer view of what exactly is going on, what is actually going on in existence itself? That's different from oh, piling oh, all the religions on top of the, each other. The problem is when you look at religion, like, I don't know, I mean, some update that it's like a booster stat to like your understanding of the world. I mean, that's the kind of defeating the point. That's like, no, but we go, but we, if we go, let's say from, from the point of view of being more animal, like, you know, being an animal that relies on instincts to being a human being that is self-aware of themselves. I don't think it stops there. I think that there are other paths that people could go on. And I'm not one of those people who believes it's all like this linear trajectory upwards. I think most most are actually going to go the other way. Most are going to turn into animals. But those that don't turn into animals, there is a chance, a small chance, that maybe there is going to be some other level of understanding using some other senses that we're not developing right now. That's that's more what I mean. But I don't know, DMT Quest, would you describe it as being that, like the heightening of certain senses that may have been lost over time, that maybe we had those senses, but we didn't have self-awareness, and now we can merge the two together? Like, how would you describe it? Because it does seem like a lot yeah. of these things are being brought up as far as the sixth sense goes. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. I think that uh, that's one of the reasons why the materialists and the scientists and the engineers kind of discount religion as not being worthwhile in terms of exploring, because a lot of religions seem to incorporate uh, stories of people having supernormal abilities. Uh, and obviously, on a mainstream level, you know, the way that it's presented, it doesn't seem like that's even possible based on the way that mainstream science has presented the human body. And that's where I'm really interested in is maybe reverse engineering these biomechanisms and showing that not necessarily everybody can tap into them, but I think most people have a certain level of the sixth sense and uh, other abilities maybe to heal themselves and, and all sorts of things that can progress society in, in a fundamental way. And I think empowering the people, I think that um, that's one of the most important things is for somebody to feel that they have a little bit more control over uh, Maybe their body, their their life, their perspective. Um, I think uh, tapping into higher consciousness using altered states is is one of the mechanisms and one of the keys for that. Somebody mentioned in the chat, Kniffin mentioned, so hubristic to assume you can access the inaccessible. I think this is also where a big difference lies between one side and the other here, where there are people out there who do want to, like I think Gnostic informant, informant you would be in this camp, of people who want to learn as much as they can to ascend up the ladder of uh, wisdom. But then there are others who see a danger in doing that, see a danger in themselves doing it, and would rather lean on certain established uh, traditions uh, that uh, have been passed down from, let's say, patriarch to patriarch. Like, for example, orthodoxy. This is the big thing that always gets mentioned, how there is this unbroken uh, 2,000 years of philosophy within this particular system. So who are you? mere mortal to uh, question it. So these are kind of like the two camps, and I'd be interested in diving into this. I know we kind of went away from psychedelics. It doesn't matter, because we're going to have another stream on psychedelics with Mike Cernovich and Sticks and Health Nut coming up later on. But uh, Gnostic Informant, let me know what you think of this uh, divide. I'm curious for everybody else. Plus, there is a weird ticking noise that I'm hearing. I don't know yeah, where it's coming it. from. So, uh, all right, we'll figure it out. I'm going to like mute people who aren't talking, and we'll get to the all bottom right, of it. Yeah. So, no, and you know what? I'm not surprised we got to this place because it all ties in together because it, it, this is this is a spiritual thing, right? This is a an attempt to try to explore the depths of your mind and try to understand what all this is, right? 
because um, there's always that argument that what if this is all just a, it's all, what if everything is all in your head, right? How do we know that? We can't really tell, right? Well, it's like, all right, what, what does that even matter? I'm here now. I can touch this. I can feel this. That's all that really matters. We, we ha you have to kind of, at some point, you have to just accept what you can see and what you can feel. Um, but as far as like what, what I think that I agree with DM Quest on, as far as like people finding a new spiritual path that isn't the orthodox way, when is when we get to, we got we get we're at a point now with levels of science, uh, the historical method, logic, philosophy, where you can take a look at the old religions of the old world. I don't mean this in any offense to any way, but this there's a lot of things that are clearly debunkable. I mean, I, we could get. I don't. I don't want to get. I, if you want, I can do. I could, I could give some details, but. The Go ahead. <laughs> just so you know, just 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 so everyone knows, you're you're not going to offend me. I'm like literally okay. Well, I don't, totally I, don't, I don't even want to. I could give us details, but I'm kind of fuming right I'm, now. I'm, 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 I'm the, point, the point is, people, and you, and he did say people with certain educational backgrounds, and he's right. People more educated that know more about history, that know more about science, that know the sun can't stand still in the middle of the day, that know the Earth's older than six thousand year olds, that know that evolution is actually a fact and not just. A, it's a scientific ah, evolution's fake news. Uh, natural selection. I use in the that way, in the way that they presented it's fake yeah. news. It's no, no, definitely let's, uh, real on the micro, right, right. But here, the, on the the macro reason, level, it's kind of The reason bullshit. why I'm bringing that up, and you can challenge me all you want, the reason why I bring all that up is because when people see on a fundamental level, not everyone has their own interpretation of their religions. Some, some people are Catholic, Christian, Baptist, whatever your interpretation is, on a fundamentalist level, meaning this is literally what is true word for word this people are looking at that and saying i can't do it i just can't come get myself to believe that's what it is so i want to find something real and tangible and people are looking at dmt and the experiences that they're getting and they're saying whoa something is actually happening here that i can test that i can do and i can do it again and i can try it out and i can hear this person doing it i can see this person doing it and it's like let's explore this path because there's something here Rather than let's pretend that the world's six thousand years old when we know it's not. Oh, it didn't mean. Oh, okay, it. that was okay, just so. That, that's definitely it's. it's definitely definitely mean, atheists go to the zoo to the monkey section. Be like my ancestor. <laughs> <laughs> so th this would be a perfect also illustration of the, the differences in how we see things because the subtext I'm getting is like not maybe not the subtext but like you know these people are more educated and there's a reason that they reject this stuff. They got educated so you know, they kind of got smarter. And if you get smarter, you kind of reject this stuff. The thing is, though, that education also entails a worldview. It's actually just as much of a worldview as also, everything else. Incredible. It, uh, incredible. In certain ways, but it, it also incorporates things that we cannot demonstrate. What do you mean? You can demonstrate things through math, through through science, through historical method. You can do you do you act and live as though human rights are a real thing? Yeah. Why? Demonstrate it because it's in our constitution. Because it's a country. Oh, so someone wrote it and that makes it real. So well, if they didn't write it, human rights wouldn't be real. If the American Revolution didn't happen. Maybe we have a different story. But this, that's just it's where we are now. We can't change. We can't change it. It's so in your worldview, human rights are only real because of the constitution. Human rights are real because of life. As a human collective, our life experience has got us to this point. That's and, and we 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 remember our history. We know it sucks to do bad shit to other people. We don't like bad shit to happen to us, so we write it down. And we make constitutional republics and laws based on it. 
all of what you just said is all of what you just said is 100% subjective and not demonstrable. What do you mean? It's, it's, we're living it right now. It's How happening. can you demonstrate that, that our collective human experience decided that something was bad and that makes it real? Because if I point, if I walked up to you and punched you in the face, it would hurt. If you walked up to me and punched me in the face, it would hurt. We agree on that. So we, we would say, let's not punch each other in the face. So face what, like dude? I'm a Darwinist. I'm an evolutionist. I'm stronger than you. I'm going to take your shit and that's evolution. And that then you would be you'd be criticized for that. They're wrong. I'm right. That, but you're just. The, like you but said, that's why. Uh, but that's why we have enough uh, people in certain systems to ensure certain things work. I mean, you're right, Owen. And that's that, what I, that's we don't, why we don't I said. Have, yeah. That's why I said this all could be fake. We don't know what it is, but we at some point we have to well, just. Well, not stick for. I think I can touch this, right? Yeah, but the point is that you don't though, live as though those things are fake. If someone said, "I run a country. I don't think human rights are real. I'm fucking all these people up." You wouldn't say, oh, well, that's just your opinion. You would say, dude, that's objectively wrong and you should not be doing that. So the worldview that you're describing, but you can't prove that. How could you prove? And then the, you can't prove that human rights exist. And the irony is that if you're relying on the scientific system you're describing, how can you prove it? Exists by, prove it, dude. By historical method, by philosophy, by or oration, by well, there's a lot of different ways to prove it. What historical event what? proves that human rights exist? American history. P period like any what you does you can't just say pick a historical event it's 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 based on it's based on collective knowledge collective and understanding. it's based on your worldview dog it's based on your worldview that you can't prove it it's axiomatic i didn't okay. say it wasn't though i never said exactly. it wasn't based on a worldview i just so, said so what well, i'm no, saying I is that when you Gnostic. talk about people getting educated that involves indoctrination i'm not using indoctrination in a negative right. sense but, but it involves things you can't prove and we all live according to these principles and things that we can't prove objectively because we all live in a spiritual reality but only some people pretend that we don't only some people pretend i'm being objective i'm just seeing reality as it is but that's actually not possible that's that's why i said that i said you somebody can say all of this is just an illusion at some point you we, you and i have to agree on something and that's what i'm getting at it's like maybe you can't prove it with a mathematical equation but you can prove it by saying hey does it suck getting punched in the face yeah me too we agree on that there's, there's your proof right there. We can agree on things. Well, I think, Gnostic, what you're trying to get at is sort of a Kantian perpetual peace argument where the faculty of human reason alone can demonstrate that there is a dialectic of morality throughout history and that um, we give each other the moral law. You know the basic thing, but of yeah, course... Yeah, yeah. Think, oh, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. But the problem, again, I would agree with Owen that the problem is that it's sort of, at the end of the day, it's still built upon a, a heap of sand, even like Kant had to admit near the end that... Um, his his line, I have to leave room for faith, because he knew that the guarantee of any moral system is going to lie ultimately in the metaphysical and any mm. sort of, in, you know, post-enlightenment view of morality, which ostensibly is what the American, American society and largely European society, Western civilization has sort of been going down, which is sort of like this uh, rootless, secularized humanism, where it's sort of like the Universal Declaration of Rights. It's based upon abstractions from the enlightenment onwards from deists and then later explicitly atheists but i think that what, what Owen brings up a good point is that when you actually do meet rubber to road what is the guarantee of any moral system but i i mean i know we're straying apart hmm. from the original but there but there is another issue here but, that i think does go back to psychedelics in a certain way which is are we just talking about faith which i agree does play a role or are we also talking about a certain higher level of understanding, however you want to define it? Maybe we could say, well, there's no way to know whether we have higher understanding or not, and that's uh, debatable. But I would still say that there are certain things like 
what Gnostic Informant was talking about, that maybe it doesn't even uh, matter that they're based on us all agreeing that we don't like getting punched in the face. Maybe there's something a little bit higher higher end here going on that leads us to the understanding that we actually don't want to hurt somebody else because we're going to feel a certain way about it. The other thing that I would say to address Owen's uh, point about, well, hey, if I'm bigger and stronger than you, that I could kick your ass and I don't care about any of the things you're talking about, the thing I would add there is the whole constitutional republic thing, whatever you want to call it, the idea here is that if there are enough people that are going to agree that we don't like having people like Owen going around beating people up, then collectively they're going to decide to do something about it. And if enough people believe in that, then it's going to reinforce itself. But again, beyond just that, I still lean on there being some higher state of uh, understanding that slowly people end up being absorbed by when they decide to not punch people in the face. That there is something that gets uh, into them where they understand that this person is also a part of me. And I am a part of this person and so on and so forth. I think. I don't know. What the, I guess one thing I wanted to add in was um, the fact that a lot of, I don't know about a lot of the religions, but, you know, I grew up, uh, I guess, Catholic or Christian or whatever. And there wasn't really um, any sort of uh, rites of passage for direct, I guess, uh, communion with uh you know, God or, or Jesus or whatever. And I think that's kind of where, um, you know, when I said people that are more educated, or whatever, they don't follow, I guess, Christianity or religion. It's not really, um, it's not uh, to disrespect religion, just more, just more so these people want to have proof, right? They want to have direct experience. And I think that's why they gravitate towards psychedelics because they, they want to commune face to face. They don't want just a theoretical discussion. And I think that's where the endogenous DMT thing is really interesting to me is that uh, if we uh, reverse engineer these techniques to have uh, communion with higher power or spirit guides or whatever, we do live in a spiritual world. That's where I'm, I'm getting at is where the whole perspective of, uh, you know, the spiritual nature of, of human existence is uh, based on direct experience. And, and I think that's really key going forward rather than just having a theoretical framework from, from books that were written a long time ago. But there is can another I, problem. Can I, can I oh, ask sure. you a question? I'm, Go for so it. So I'm super curious. I know I'm kind of in like a privileged position because I'm kind of like the antagonist. Um, and I'm not trying to make it a gotcha. I'm actually really seriously curious. So you've done DMT a lot, obviously. And have you interacted with any kind of like entity or guide or anything like that? Who, me? Yes. No. Oh, you haven't? No, I haven't. I haven't oh, um, had any direct experience with anything. Um, no, but, but there was a thing... breakthrough that you had. You remember when you were describing the Kundalini going up through oh, your Oh, absolutely. Head? Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't have any direct uh, visual experience with anything. I just had a more so a, a deep sensation of being connected with the greater force and that there was a greater force and that it was amazing that I didn't notice the greater force before. So that that's really what opened opened me up was like wow you can have a very transcendental experience without a exogenous catalyst or substance and not even see or hear things and still have a very transformative experience comparable to people that have had these like complete mystical DMT experiences where they're interacting with beings and, and things of that nature so it just um yeah there there's a lot man there there's a lot yeah. that goes under the umbrella of altered states it's not just one thing 
If you want, yeah, that's super interesting. Mine, you know, it's funny. Mine were also mostly like solipsistic, like just me, I guess you could say. I wonder why that is. You know, we'll probably never know, but that is super interesting. Ninety-nine percent of mine were like that too. Very few times where actually something would come in like some form of a deity or whatever you want to call it. But for for the most part, they weren't like that. But when it did come in the form of a deity, what was it? I well, like I said before, that's whatever. It was multiple heads, multiple hands. It was like spinning. It looked like a freaking Hindu god. Like I've had other, other experiences. I've had other experiences. At one time, it looked like Mickey Mouse. It was like a Mickey Mouse looking figure. I yeah. mean, this is all. This is what it comes to. And this is what I actually wanted to. I'm int- interested to hear your question about this because I actually don't think that this is anything really magical or mystical happening. I think it's deep within my psyche. That's what I think this is. But there's nothing. What's the difference? We're just talking about language anyway. What's the difference between me saying there's there's a scientific reason of things happening in my head or it's magical? What's the difference other than I'm explaining mm. it? Oh, I, man, could, dude, I could say one, dude, one I difference. Would love okay. to, I would love to just so like I think that there's no way for me to say this without sounding kind of like a dick. But right. I really feel like that is a wall that you should really try and climb over because actually it is a huge difference. If you wake up and you see an angel hovering above your bed, if it's just in your mind, or if it's actually a real angel that God sent to you, those are two totally different things. How how do you know it was God that sent the angel to you though? God, then why would I need DMT to do it? If God can just do it. That's, that's I agree. There has agree. To, there something happening with the DMT. That's all I'm getting at. I'm not saying mm. that no, 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 yeah, no, no. But I'm just no, like, no. I but I want to, I want to go like, back to what I was said because I talked about the Mary sightings before. There was this book, uh, Daimonic Reality, by Patrick Harper, where uh, he was documenting the various appearances of the Virgin Mary in places that were formerly occupied by various uh, fertility goddesses. So she would appear as a beautiful, you know, a young woman, and then people would see her, go to her. So the question here is. How do you know whether this is Mary or how do you know where this is was sent by God or sent by some other entity? I mean, ultimately, I think every, everything stems from God. I think ultimately everything is a part of God. But if we are talking about more of like the nitty gritty, what are the various forces at work here? How would you know, Owen, whether you saw God as opposed to not saw God, but like saw an angel as opposed to something else? Uh, that's a good question. Um, well... Just to be totally clear, I the main thing I was trying to pin down there is that it really does make a huge difference whether or not I'm qualified or anyone else is qualified to explicate what those things are. It really does matter because it hooks back into a larger cosmology. Just again, to make one more example, if I saw a ghost in my house, it matters if that's in my brain or if there's really a ghost actually living in my house. And it actually is different. And those are two different realities. And only one of them is true. Um, Asking me, well, I guess part of the subtext of my worldview that I think, I don't want to say dancing around, but it hasn't really come up is that I'm 100% all in on the fact that philosophy and logic can prove that God is real. But I think that there's a little bit of a gap there. And then the way I would phrase it, actually, it's funny, we're making fun of the Mormons. I actually got this quote from Brigham Young. I'm not Mormon. But once philosophy proves to you that God is real, how to approach God becomes a matter of faith and religion and that's where philosophy kind of drops you off i disagree um, with that i mean because we could have a we could have a deist point of a deist universe where there's a god that's everything in motion but then doesn't affect with us at all it's like so people assume if there is a creator then therefore islam or therefore christianity or therefore born again christianity or in particular or something we don't, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is just because there's a, we're created or there's some sort of creator doesn't mean 
that I have to do something or I'm going to be judged based on it. Or I have to worship certain some sort of specific name. You don't even have to say deity because sometimes it's the same deity with a different name and different book, but it's still the same deity. And we just get so wrapped up in these little details that I feel like you missed the whole point. And it's like, I don't know. For me, it just seems pretty obvious that people in the Bronze Age were just trying to control their population. That's what it seems like to me. You are correct in that it does not necessitate that God has a particular identity and way to approach him, but it's an incorrect assumption to keep going and say that you have proven that. No, I haven't. No, no. What I'm saying is it's possible that, yeah, God could just be this kind of like, I know you didn't say this, but it's right. kind of like floating cloud of like nebulous qualities. And like when Islam approaches God, they're like, oh, it's Allah. And then when Catholics approach God, they're like, oh, it's Jesus. Like that's possible, but it's not a given. And mm -hmm. I think that the concept that it's all the same God and stuff. I mean, this actually, I was going to say it's not tangentially, but it actually is directly relevant. I don't really think it plays out because if I was talking with Geo and we were both describing a person, but we described a person with totally different qualities, we obviously wouldn't be talking about the same person. I know. I'll, I'll say that more, yeah. more, more or less that none of them are true. Not that all of them are true. I would say none of them are true. That's what well, I was saying. Well, qualities, I well, think, is an important word here. Gnostic, then? What is that was the basis of your... Gnosticism, in, in, my, in my worldview, is that the, the, the realization that you are... You, you, this universe that we're in, that you had no choice to be here. You're here no matter what. That realization right there is salvation because there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you need to worry about. This universe produced you through evolution. You're here, and you're that's so, all. You're so you're not a metaphysical gnostic, in other words. Well, or a theistic gnostic. I I I would lean towards more rational, but I, it's the thing. I don't I I don't know. Like I I I I talk about gnosis as just realizing that we're here, and it's like. If God really wanted me to worship him all day long, he can come in my room right now and tell me that, but he hasn't done that yet. As far as I know, all I'm hearing is from priests and pastors, and I see a lot of them doing a bunch of fucked up shit too. So as far as I know, all I know is what's in front of me. And I'm well, trying to- Well, but, but beyond the priests and beyond the pastors, there is also what Owen was talking about. What are the actual things that this entity would tell you to do? And I think that that does play a role in these things where I don't think there is any way for me to know whether an angel that Owen would potentially see would be an angel sent by God, or whether it's some playful DMT jester just uh, deciding to drop in on Owen unexpectedly. But well, whether or not that jester tells Owen certain things to, you know, make him act in such a way as to help other people, or makes him think that he's the new messiah, that's already kind of a tell for me. This, But this is what I'm talking about with Gnosis, is like, it, it actually, I... I this comes from this, this relates to DMT in the sense that you re, when you realize that you are a product of whatever this universe is trying to do, and you're just you're just there's not like you don't have control over that. And having the mystical experience of DMT sort of uh, sort of let sort of awakens you to not that there's a deity coming down to me, but that it's it's within. It's the self. It's the deep self. If that makes sense. So it's like not outward that I'm looking for. It's more inward that I'm looking for. But, it, but what I mean is that that deep self, there's kind of like a groundlessness to it if there's no longer an Amagio die. You know what I mean? Like there is. What is an Amagio die for the people who uh, don't yeah, know? You know the image of the image of the divine, right? Like mm. there's no, like it. It seems like this is ultimately the problem with any sort of, not to say that you have an atheistic worldview, but I think any sort of. Um, I guess, yeah, secularized or atheistic worldview is that you're always going to sort of 
buttress up against this problem of existence or being itself. There's, you know, I would call, I'll call just, more of a Spinoza type God, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, there you go. I mean, that's probably the root of our disagreement there. I think that, um, when you, when you really look at, sorry, I'm being distracted. I'm doing these exercises, trying to do this. Thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It's like I'm trying to mimic these the textures from these plate engravings. So, uh, no, I mean, the problem is that um, then where does that sort of lead creation itself? Because when you talk about how, well, how come God doesn't come and show me, right? There's clear reasons why that wouldn't be advantageous to humanity to say, you, Neil, God is going to show mm. himself to you and only you. And by the way, uh, you know what I mean? Like that's sort of mm. worked into it. But, but that's that, the other that's the other reason why I'm concerned about psychedelics. Something that was hazard, well, something that was not mentioned on the stream yet, which I brought up to DMT Quest uh, like two years ago in a message exchange, and I'm going to bring it up now. It's the question of willpower. So for me, if I were to take psychedelics, and uh, full disclosure, I did take the Terence McKenna heroic dose 2000 and, uh, 2016 with my girlfriend. But uh, before that, even, I was doing the Wim Hof method and started seeing all those visions before that, which is my way of saying that it was not the, the, uh, it was not the uh, mushrooms that caused those visions to begin with. Anyway, that, that aside... Heroic what, uh, dose with the girlfriend. Very yes, her high relationship confidence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that didn't last. Anyway, anyway. Um, go, going that back the to Japanese what I was... or Chinese one? Chinese. Like? Chinese uh, number one. Oh, anyway, okay. when, <laughs> when we're... Uh, when we're talking about uh, willpower, if there was something that I took, it feels like I'm busting open a door before I'm ready to see what's on the other side. Like false enlightenment, if You're you will, you know? You're busting some with that channel. Oh, Lordy Geo. Anyway, everybody subscribe, by the way, for me getting some. Anyway, uh, when, it, <laughs> when it comes to busting... Oh, no, this is an insult-only podcast. <laughs> when it Sorry, comes to love. busting open, bus busting open things... Uh, uh, before you are ready to experience to experience them, I think there is something to be said about like the disagreement that I would have with Gnostic informant is that I think that we are here to train ourselves in our own kind of uh, individual way where we're all at different levels and some people require you know the kind of education where if they screw up then they're going to have to learn a harder way. You know, it's going to be rougher and tougher. And then other people who acquire something uh, easier with less uh, resistance, let's say maybe they'll get to a higher level faster. Regardless, there is still a kind of trial people have to undergo in their lives. And I pretty much think that every single thing we ever experience in our embodied existence is a test in a certain way. You know, everything from how we speak to people, from how we conduct ourselves, how we raise our voice, I believe that either nothing matters or everything matters, so I'm going to say that everything matters, and uh, when we use an external substance, something tells me that we're kind of cheating, that we're taking something without actually exercising our own willpower to, uh, to experience it. So I'm curious what uh, the panel thinks about that. I've, I've been talking a lot, so DMT Quest, you want to talk? I, I, got, I could answer that. Though. Is it cheating? I don't um... think I don't, I don't look at it as it's cheating per se. I think there's a risk involved uh, if a person doesn't have the right set and setting and all that. But um, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily call it cheating because these substances are here and we have access to them. So I don't think they would be here if we weren't supposed to 
have that access if we needed them, you know. So I think they're a good they're a good first step. And then after that, then people can explore their own consciousness, knowing what exists out there. But but I, maybe, I maybe they're cheating. there though for themselves because the mushrooms they get some benefit out of the whole experience too they get to be you know replanted through the pooping and all that so in a way i look at plants as being much more uh let's see much more carnivorous than we give them credit for you know when we think of plants we think of like these peaceful things but uh i think that they could be just as uh, just as brutal as a lot of uh the animals Mm. So like if somebody, let's say somebody uh, secretes like greater levels of endogenous DMT, would you say that, you know, that's kind of a form of cheating? I disagree because that is still something that uh, they had to develop by utilizing their own body, by utilizing their own uh, instruments. And you could say that there may be a gray area when, let's say, we're talking about diet. We're talking about like if I eat the right kind of food, my brain is going to work better, I'm going to function better. You know, we all have to eat, obviously. So it's still a matter of we do have to take something in in order to get something out. But that's also a very Kabbalistic thing where all of us have a certain degree of wanting to receive. And the idea in the Kabbalah, for example, is transmuting that desire to receive into the desire to give for the sake of giving, as opposed to giving for the sake of receiving. And that's why I think that we're all going to be to a certain extent receiving sustenance from the earth receiving pleasure from the experience that we have and you could say that it kind of attaches us into this world but uh, i guess the big question is to what extent do we want the reception to be and whether or not this reception with the psychedelic state for example would further bind us into this attachment that is going to be harder to get out of because we are relying on an external substance to get to that sense of enlightenment yeah, if you feel like that's the only way to reach a, a certain level of enlightenment or insights into the spiritual nature of reality, then yeah, I don't think that you're really utilizing it in the manner that it, it would be optimized for, for sure. I agree with that. By the way, I think Gnostic Informant had to go right now to uh, to another stream because uh, it is approaching uh, 7 o'clock. Just so you know, uh, that is what ended up happening there. But uh, I think it was a very interesting conversation with him. Oh, he didn't read you quit. No, no, no. Where so that would be bad. Like the second. I felt, like, yeah, I felt like the road was going towards us, like hunkering down on atheism. I was like, I'm, I'm kind of okay with this, but that's that's cool. He had to bounce. I get it. No, no, he had to bounce. He told me in private that he had a stream at uh, seven o'clock. It was supposed to be actually. At 12 he noon. said, "Can you add me back in the in the little chat we have?" Oh, Sorry, not to break. All right, break there we go. Studio situation here. There we go. Okay, I was just saying, Gnostic. I wasn't sure if uh, you uh, left right now because you have the other thing. But no, you did not uh, leave because of that. There was. I just want to be rude and answer the phone right while everyone's talking and stuff. Like that. Ah, all right, no problem. But you are going to have a stream coming up uh, later on, right? You're going to have a stream. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seven o'clock. Excellent. Yeah. Well, also, I want you to plug that as well. So where could people? No, act... okay, fine. This is how generous I am. Plug where it's you're not going. Me. It's someone else's. Don't worry about it. Someone else. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Don't... serious. It's else's stream. Don't worry about it. All right, but uh, but but anyway, we were talking before about. I made uh, that mistake once or twice on stream, like go and watch <laughs> this other thing. And I'm like, fuck, I shouldn't say that. Like one time, I said, uh, what was it? Who is streaming right now? I think it was either Eggy or Jay Dyer. And I'm like, Jay Dyer is streaming right now. Oh fuck, no! Then people <laughs> I made that mistake before. Yeah, no, I get, I get that. But anyway, that's like I'm curious. I have nothing against Eggy or Jay Dyer. I'm just saying yes. for the yes, the kayfabe of the yeah. Sure. Well, I'm curious, like a Gnostic, where would you, uh, where would you put yourself in uh, this, uh, this thing that I was illustrating with the willpower question? 
Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting question. Like you know, the, the Muslims talk about Mech Two being everything is just destiny and that uh, it's all God's will and uh, you know morality is coming from above. But then I I have to question that because it's, if morality was coming from above and it, it's all it's not just free will, then why isn't everyone making the right choices? Why is everyone? Oh my God. Can we can we can we go can we go into that? Can we can we you have, to, you have to bounce soon? Can we can we go into that? Yeah, of course. That's why okay. I'm up. So, I we're getting this way. We're getting uh, okay. So, uh, do you think that? Finish her. No, no, it's not like that. Do you think that, um, let's say, female gen genital mutilation is wrong? That it's wrong to do that to little girls? I've I've heard this argument a million times, but let's just go through it. Yes. Okay. So. I already know where you're going, but I'll, if I'll, we so if we killed everyone on Earth that thought it was wrong, and everyone left on Earth thought it was right, would it be right? No. So that proves that morality is not a human construct. You just explained to me that if every human on Earth, but, what? but that's just how I feel based on my life experiences. You have to go into my. But if you were dead, it would still be wrong. But that's what I'm saying. To them, their life experience. However, the fuck they got to that answer that they think mutilating people is is wrong, right? That's that's based on some experiences that they went through. They're wrong. They're wrong. They're, they're wrong to our worldview. No, yes. they're objectively wrong. They are actually wrong. It is actually wrong. They are incorrect. They are just. Why like is it objectively wrong? Like, this is the same question you asked me. Why is it objectively wrong? See now, now I'm just doing because it. you have an implanted. It is actually part of your mind, a moral faculty that can be developed to more accurately and less accurately perceive rightness and wrongness. And when someone explains to you the process of doing female genital mutilation and you recoil from it, that is an accurate perception of morality your mind is making, just like when you look at a red shirt and notice that it is red. The morality is external to your mind and you are accurately perceiving it. And that's why, I'll let you talk, that's why you were correct. When you instinctually answered, you're correct. If we killed everyone on earth that thought it was wrong, would it still be wrong? Yes, because well, it's wrongness it's wrong, is not though. conditional. Because of my experiences and my knowledge, my knowledge. Look at women in the West nowadays. Is that right? Either. So that means that. So that means that if we killed everyone who thought it was wrong, that it wouldn't be wrong. Animal. If I was an ape that didn't know better, I might think it's okay. You would be wrong. Animals. Animals might think it's okay. So you have to amend your answer and say that if we killed everyone on Earth who thought it was wrong, it would not actually still be wrong. I think it's wrong. But if we killed everyone on Earth who thought female genital mutilation was wrong, it would not actually be wrong. People were doing it, it would, there would be nothing wrong occurring. So say that, slow that, slow down. Say that. Okay. Again. I go around. We kill everyone on Earth who thinks that female genital mutilation is wrong. Every living person thinks it's good, and they're doing it. Okay. You're explaining that I actually, that actually, yeah, okay, but you're so you think it's wrong, but it's just arbitrary. In that scenario, actually, nothing wrong is occurring. Right. So, so you can imagine a planet where everyone's doing female genital mutilation and nothing wrong is occurring. So, but this is a linguistic. This, if everyone's okay, it's just it's like everyone's doing female mutilation. The thing is, why? They're just doing it for a reason. They're not just. It robots. Doesn't matter why they're wrong. They're doing some fucked up weird shit. Well, they believe up. it's the purity oh, of the feminine. This, that's where this uh, argument is bullshit. Because it no, 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 no. Why? You're you're trying to you're trying. Look, I, I'm saying this seriously. Like, and I'm not joking. I'm saying this out of love because I care about your spirit. You are trying to reach for an explanation, but why they're doing it doesn't matter. If I rape someone, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, no, 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 it doesn't matter. If I rape someone, it doesn't matter why I did it. It's still wrong. If I murder someone, doesn't matter why I did it. It's still wrong. And why in the scenario wrong? we're describing. I can answer why. Can you answer why it's wrong? Is because God told you? 
uh, because there's a morality encoded into the physical universe and no, yeah, it does come from God. It's wrong because when you see a woman get raped and you see them screaming and crying and in pain and they're telling you this, that's how we know that. There's a, there's a thing we can see and we could demonstrate. And so those girls would be screaming in the scenario where we killed everyone who thought it was wrong. You're explaining why it's still wrong. It would still be wrong in that scenario. Happened? Is that happening right now? It doesn't matter. It's a thought experiment. It does matter. Is no, it it exactly. You could think a thought experiment is if I had a, if I, if I well, lived, That's what I mean. How do we know it's wrong? What if, what if someone's into, uh, what if a woman is into edge play and it's simulating the, uh, which I mean, by the way, Owen, we have to avoid that. And it'd be right. YouTube. If she's into what it, that's right. It's okay, just, but, just, but then just when we clear, say that the clear, actual uh, act itself is in itself morally an objective level terrible, so then if a woman says that I want that to happen to me, then that you would say, okay, you have a mental problem. That's yes, terrible. That's what I would I, think. Right, exactly. I would think that based on my knowledge, based on my understanding, based on experience of my life. I didn't just come. I didn't just wake up one day and just understand what rape is. I had exactly. to learn what rape is. Exactly. You're you're but correct. I wasn't born with it though. I had to be taught that. Who cares? Animals, You're still correct. That's why animals, but no, but I, I would argue that this argument that you born. I don't know. I think you are born with some form of moral have you seen, sense. Have, I mean, you seen how, have you seen how cheetahs and apes act in nature? They do fucked up shit. Yes. They eat those balls and shit, dude. Yes, there's an intrinsic difference between man they and animals. You are correct. where we're at. It's evolution. It comes no. down to evolution. No. No, I want to get evolution? to... I wait, get wait, 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 wait. Let right. me get one more. This is so okay. interesting. Okay. Dude, how could, how could evolution tell you that rape is wrong? If I go rape 100 women and I have 100 more... There kids, is a thing called the raping theory, lottery. by the way. The well, that, there there is something called the raping theory, by the way, where they say that men who are more capable of it actually had an evolutionary advantage because they could conquer more peoples and spread their genes more. There is that too. By the way, shout out to my friend, Matthew Parrott. Mm. Shout out to Keith. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's get a response to the mask. I'll stop pushing it, but I just want to say, seriously, someone told me that when I was 19, what I just told you, and I thought about it for 10 years and I could never put it down. And that is, that is, that is proof that God is real. A hundred percent. Yes, it is, dude, because there is objective morality. And I think that later when you think about it, you'll imagine a planet. No, I thought about every years too. I've been hearing the same argument. I already knew what you were going to say. But you explained to me why I'm correct. You no, said they're screaming and you hear it and you know it's wrong. Exactly. But you hearing it doesn't I know it wrong. it's wrong. It always comes back to the individual. It always comes back to the how much knowledge and understanding and, and life experience and evolution. And you made a good point saying that in some cases, natural selection favors the bad people because they conquer, which explains why we have fucked up humans in our society. Okay, last question. Last question. Can you can someone misperceive reality? Can someone perceive reality incorrectly? Of course. So then it doesn't matter that you're appealing to someone perceiving reality incorrectly. It doesn't. That's but it. at some point you have to you have to come to your own understanding at some point. And that's you're right. You're right. We can all just be like nothing matters. Nobody knows it's all an illusion. We can do that if we want. But at some point you gotta just get real about it. Exactly. Get real. It's real. Exactly, bro. I there, there is something going to blow your mind. This is a right. Science Direct right. article. Exactly. It's real. Posted. <laughs> science Direct, um, forcible rape and evolutionary perspective. This is the rape ape theory. So this is going to blow your mind for all you science, science, uh, science cells out there. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Terrible. Anyways, what wait, 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 hold on. Like, wait, hold on. We're, we're going to go back to the psychedelics, but I wanted to find out, although it's probably going to be too long. You want to talk about rape, ape? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Owen, you want to tell you Owen, when you, were, uh, when you were talking about this uh, spiritual understanding where you can prove that this is objectively right or something is objectively wrong, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but beyond just saying that you believe that there is this spiritual objectivity, 
how would you be able to let us know whether it's a, whether that's the case or not beyond just saying that this is spiritually objective? Um, because everyone, in order to be a sane person, acts and behaves as though certain things are wrong. And when we encounter contraindications in those departments, literally no one treats them as subjective. So everyone that puts forth this view comes really strong out of the gate of like, well, it's just my opinion. It's just my view. But if I said, hey, I'm going to go beat my dog because it peed on my rug, you would have an intrinsic reaction and say, that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing it. You would never say, it's not like a shirt. If it's subjective, if it's subjective, it's subjective. It's just like a shirt. Okay. But to be, but to be, uh, yeah, I can demonstrate to you why I'm, why I'm right. Tell me. Okay. Law codes. Let's look at law codes. Let's look at the earliest law codes we have, the Uranamu law code. This is before this is before Hammurabi's code, right? Where it talks right. about what we should do to people who are who we think are guilty is we throw them over a cliff into the lake. If they survive, that means God said they were innocent. Then you keep keep progressing. You get to eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And that's Hammurabi's code. Then you can keep progressing and then you get into like biblical Deuteronomy stuff. As you progress through evolution, getting better and better, this is micro-evolution, not macro. As we progress and learn more things about ourselves, our law codes get better and better. All of a sudden, it's love your neighbor. All of a sudden, you got Jesus and Confucius and Buddha all saying the same thing around the same time. Wow, that's amazing. That's how you know our morality has been progressing. Over what if there's time. an evolutionary whoa, whoa, advantage to rape? Come on, bro. You saying you saying progressive and better implies an objective standard. If it was truly subjective, better. then you wouldn't be able to say better. A red shirt is not better than a blue shirt mm. because it's subjective. It's, it's Wait, saying, to be a, no, it's not. It's not linguistic. It, well, is, it is actually but intrinsically Neil, related Gnostic, to what you're I just informed you of an evolutionary advantage to rape. So are you going to base morality on evolution? No, it could go bad too. There's 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 ways we can descend bad and and evolution as well. That's what that's what natural well, selection is. We can we can we can die out. We can think that hmm. it's cool. Right. We can think it's cool and just fuck the whole climate up and all die. That could happen. But that's but cool. I'm saying I'm saying the, but my point okay as provocative as it is and I know it's funny haha four chan humor. But I'm saying the point being is that when you predicate something as deep as human morality into a framework that is purely materialistic, then you can justify any sort of will to power. You know what I mean? That's my point. Like that's what I'm trying to get at. You can. I get. I, I'll, I'll accept that. You can. All right. All right. <laughs> no, but to be devil's Holy advocate. Crap! But to be de- but to be devil's <laughs> advocate a, a bit a bit I here. Back in the to, day, my uh, buddy Matthew was talking uh, about this in the DMs, and I go, "What the fuck is this crap?" Now I know. Now I've demonstrated the use of the. Rape ape theory. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, <laughs> oh, now, now oh. I'm thinking about all those gooning uh, orangutans. You remember what Sunny was talking oh, about? And God. yeah, no, but to, actually, to be to be a bit of a devil's advocate they here, they only do captivity. Yeah, love. no, but to be a bit of a devil devil's advocate here for the other position, which I wouldn't say. Like I'd say here at least, I'm closer to like even though I'm not somebody who would want to be in an organized religion, I still lean closer to the idea that there is this spiritual sense that people would have over time and it could go down too but i would say that there is some kind of a spiritual understanding people would get over time wherein the unmovable unmoved mover of certain laws would not be so much would not be only for convenience 
uh, of, you know, well, let's not punch each other, but there is also a certain understanding that would develop in tandem with the people that would uh, encourage this to be passed on. But to be devil's advocate for that position, we could say, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is just, uh, oh, and what you were talking about, if you have all these people, except for like the craziest, who uh, all detest certain things and would find them morally objectable, objectionable, well, maybe all those people grew up in this certain way with a certain system and, uh, and ways, of, uh, ways of being, that they're just used to being in this particular pattern, and it's very materialistic, and they're nothing more than that. I'm not saying I believe that, but that would be the counter I would give to uh, uh, what you were saying. Well, it's most people, so it would be then most people decided on this, and that's why it's objectively correct. W would that be wrong or not? Um... Well, the thing is, I think that having to appeal to someone that is raised in a situation that makes their mind deficient proves what I'm saying. You have to point to someone like, well, if you were raised in a room of funhouse mirrors, you wouldn't be able to see in 3D. So it's really just subjective. But the fact that you have to appeal to someone who's raised in a like, kind of demented situation shows that we all think that healthy, well-developed moral faculties would perceive things in this way, which we all act like, by the way, every day. But there are still uh, examples. You could look at the Middle East. You can look at various places where uh, things are not uh, so sunny, despite there being a very heavily uh, religious, uh, very uh, based, uh, you know, groundwork on the you know the faith that people have. And there, you could say that things are proceeding very similar to how they would have been during the times of Hammurabi, if not before, in certain jurisdictions. So I wouldn't be able to say that those, the majority of uh, the people who would condone that or who would look the other way, are somehow mor morally equal to people who were raised under this very different uh, kind of uh, system of laws. Not to say that this is the only th reason why they act this way, as far as, like, uh, people who were raised under this different system of laws, but to be devil's advocate again for Gnostic's position here, maybe we could leave the spirituality aside and say, this part of the world, look at the way that, uh, you know, they conduct their society, look at the systems of laws they have, then uh, look at the system of, of laws in this other place. Wouldn't that well, be sufficient? Well, the thing is, though, in order to fully lean into that position, though, you would have to be yourself relativist about the whole situation, which no one is. You would have to look at the development, for example, of the U.S. transitioning from a slavery based. It's not slavery based, but we had slavery transitioning to not having slavery. And you would have to see that as a lateral move where nothing actually improved. But no one does that because we know that it's better to not have slavery. If you really thought this way, you would say, well, the U.S. got rid of slavery, but it was arbitrary. I mean, yeah, I guess I think that's cool, but maybe it was bad. Maybe it was good. Who can say? We can't really say. But no one lives and operates that way. Well, the people who have slave markets right now in Libya, they'd operate that way. You know, they uh, may but not it, have that much of a problem with that. Don't, so then why, here's, this is where, I, this is where I, the question comes in. Why does it happen then and not 500 years before that when – you know, Christianity was ruling the West. Why does it happen after the Enlightenment when people stop being run by the church or run by monarchies and we have more rational thinkers and we have a, a, a scientific movement? Why all of a sudden is now all of a sudden liberal and, and human rights all of a sudden a big deal when it wasn't? Well, these ideas because... are more ancient than people know. I mean, they've been in antiquity. A lot of these ideas are present. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Owen. Well, it's also because people are imperfect and they're constrained by their material and historic situation. That doesn't mean that those constraints then become what is real, but those constraints exist and are a factor. So for example, it was a lot easier. Civil War is a perfect example. It was a lot easier for people in the North to say, you know, we sat down and thought about it. I mean, slavery is kind of bad. 
the people in the South, it was more difficult for them to do that because their society was based on slavery, at least in part. But that doesn't mean that you can then make the leap to say, so yeah, slavery is just kind of a wash. Well, it, it actually was relative to whoever the state, like in the South, they needed slavery because that was their economy. So they exactly. had to, they had mm-hmm. to sort of like convince themselves that, oh, it's okay, yeah. let's just keep it going. So it actually does come down to your understanding and your knowledge and your, uh, like I was saying, your, your experience and where your situation is. Were they wrong to do that? They were wrong. In my opinion, in my worldview, yeah. it was wrong. In your world, we agree on that. But there might be someone who thinks they were right. And we think they're wrong. But, and we say objectively that's mm. wrong. But it really, our, I mean. It's, all right, DMT Quest, you settle this. You are the one who's going <laughs> to settle this. Well, it's, it's going to be a clo- it's going to be a closed loop. I feel like I, I it's going to be a closed loop. I do want to hear what you have to say, but you know, anyway. that's a it's a difficult discussion. You guys are all over the place, man. <laughs> I mean, I guess one of the things that come to mind in, in terms of inherent morality within humans, I guess, uh, you know, are, are we discussing adults? Are we discussing like all I guess age ranges? Because I think uh, it's kind of, it's somewhat well known that like young children can be pretty abusive towards animals like it's kind of a it's a normal it's almost like a regular thing not like burning a dog or anything like that, but pulling on the tail and kind of just like physically sort of aggravating animals seems to be pretty common amongst kids so is it uh sort of like a morality develops based on societal sort of you know telling the kid not to do that or that's what i'm saying like these things that uh cyclops is bringing up in terms of what's inherent to us as humans i don't know if it's so cut and dry uh it, it seems like it could be a little bit complicated especially when you're looking at uh, young children and how they treat each other how they treat animals and, you know with, with no sort of guidance or parental supervision and things of that nature that's a good point there's 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 cases where you, kids who have like no guidance at all and they're just like insane like you there's cases where kids have, are like almost like animalistic in certain certain cases but did they, where's their morality that was given to them from above why don't they have that they don't have any understanding they don't know the world yet they weren't taught anything but maybe there is something spiritual about the understanding itself where we are more like the vessels through which either we get the understanding or the understanding passes us by when we're raised by wolves or something. I think this is why there would have been, uh, you know, primitive people back in the day and still primitive people around today that they don't have that understanding. The difference that I would say is that Owen sees it as being a spiritual understanding while you see it as being more of a practical understanding. That, I would say, is the big difference. This is the last thing I'm going to say because i got to go. I actually think evolution is spiritual. I think there is something insanely deistic going on with evolution that's what i think i mean I, why'd you bury this till now Gnostic? why that, that could be a whole nother tell me why no we're gonna continue I, doing this geo listen gnostic really, listen we're gonna have a gnostic debate coming up gnosticism versus christianity this is happening on uh, january 6th <laughs> a very uh, interesting date to say the least i'll see if it maybe it might might be a later date, but hopefully the six. I just have to see All right, yeah. if uh, Tyler Hamilton wants to join me and as my tag team partner. So and uh, and so everybody, listen. Follow uh, okay. Follow Gnostic Informant YouTube.com slash Gnostic Informant and Twitter uh, com. It's uh, Neil. Hold on, I'm gonna get the name uh, Wait, right over here. Partner Gnostic. What's his name? Uh, Miguel Connor. Uh, I N Night but Gnostic. I N Bite Gnostic Radio. That's oh. right. And uh, uh, yeah. Oh, this is amazing. 
And uh, we're going to have... Okay, so Twitter.com, Neil Sen... Uh, S-E-N-D-L-A-K-1. So go there, follow Neil on Twitter. Neil's going to be back for much more. Because listen, I love this. I love the fact that this is not an echo yeah, chamber. You know, that we are able to actually have clashes of ideas. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, and it was nice meeting you, man. It really was. And Dean, yeah, dude, yeah. This is super fun, man. I know we like disagree. It's not like bad blood. It's a really good time for all of us. So, yeah, man, thanks. I enjoy it, man. Cool. Right, I'll see you guys later. See ya. And guys, I think we're going to be transitioning right now into the... Uh, and Owen, this is kind of a surprise because I don't know if I mentioned this to you fully, but what we sometimes do on the stream is bringing out the GIMP. No, bringing out the... Uh, you could say it's sort of a GIMP, the uh, Twitter spaces. So I'm going to have the Twitter spaces superimposed on the screen. This is totally up to you. You're a dad now. You're a family man. You can, you know, you may have to go right now. I have no idea. But since I noticed that you were on the Twitter spaces app before, what we could do if you're interested is you could sign off of here or you could keep the icon. It doesn't really matter. But uh, actually, it may be better to sign off. But anyway, sign off of here. Go into the Twitter spaces link that I'm going to send you. And uh, we can continue this with other people going into the call. Same thing, DMT Quest, with yourself as well. If you're interested in sticking around, totally up to you. If not, we're still going to continue uh, doing this with the Twitter spaces for a while. Get all of your uh, guys' opinions on the conversation. And uh, I am going to send the link right now. Go into that link. All the people who are in the chat right now, go into that link. Because I'm going to start the Twitter spaces uh, pretty much right now. It's going to take me a little bit of time, though. So, Geo, I would love for you to do some shout-outs of the chat, as well as mention any uh, any updates going on in your world, and any final oh, yeah. thoughts uh, of this particular conversation as well. Well, let's start with Owen, DMT, and then you, Geo. And I'm just going to do the whole transition right now. So uh, it's still going to be on this stream. So, uh, yes. And I'm sending the link right now here. You guys could see it in the chat. Twitter.com slash I slash spaces. I might have to. Yeah. I don't know if I could piece it or uh, I might have to cut it early. All right, no, no problem. Maybe I'll go in the space a little bit. I'll go in the space a little bit. Yeah, j just uh, just a smidgen in the space. So, oh, what, so yeah. Owen, we didn't get to show Owen's book properly. Actually. No, we did not. So let us show oh, Owen's super book. Chat. We have super chats. We do have the super chats. So I know, Geo, can you t look at the super chats and then mention them yourself right now? I just have so only I don't... one from Krong Kicks. I refuse to donate. You can't make me sneed. <laughs> While Krong Kicks, you have $5 of your uh, mammons. So I don't know. So let's do shout outs first. So we always have um, uh, our regulars like Lisa Bode, Hopper8338, Cronkicks, Knifen, Deaf Operator, Massive McGee, Philip Daniel, of course, King Salmonfish, who's probably going to be in the Twitter space, Elmer Jr. Jewel, uh, what is that? Elmer Jr. Jublag, stop asking for my name. Stop asking for my name. Define divine myself. Myself came back recently. Milo Milo and on live stream, Richard Galate Galanti, Wyam Hatcher, Wyram Hatcher. Sorry, I always fucked that up. No, I thought um, it was Worm Hatcher. Super... Wasn't it yeah, Worm Hatcher? No hatch. uh, cross hatching. I'm going to call him that from now on. Uh, Wong Kai super fan. XO, XO, XO. Is one Kai the anime with the kid that always cries is that what you know the sad boy is that the one i have to look it up basham bash ram sorry uh and on live stream we got uh 
We got uh, Geo. Oh, no, I'm doing. I'm doing the 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 ghost uh, true capitalist radio thing. If you guys want to change your name to troll us, that'd be cool. It'd be like true capitalist radio. Um, Hill spawn. We got Pylos. Uh, who else am I missing here? Uh, let me see. We got Aaron Woodley. The ABC, I believe ABC also has a super chat where he said, uh, good show or I just needed a super chat or something. Uh, Tim Stump. Elmer Jr. Ju oh, I already said Jude Bag. Uh, so I think those are the shout outs. Mm -hmm. And uh, Owen, please tell us about your book. It's all of your co collected comics and illustrations. If you made it all the way here and you just want more. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I dropped it on Amazon. Uh, if you search my name on Amazon, it comes up or it's on my Twitter feed. Um, I'm going to post it in the chat one more time. I'm doing two cool. things at once, though, but you can't find it in the description of this video. I always plug all the stuff in the description of the video, so uh, check that out. Yeah, that's basically it. It's like all the comics I've made in my studio so far. Um, if you're into the vibe that you've probably gotten from me talking for a while now, you'd probably be into it. And even if you're not, you might be. So definitely check it out. We, including the recent one that was trending was this guy who is a furry in the VR pod, if I recall. And he's like, I'm having several different pleasure experiences once. And the one guy is like, I don't think that's a good idea. The guy's like, and the other one is uh, the famous uh, infamous line that Redditors use. What is it called? Um, Why can't you let people enjoy things? That was hilarious. Yeah, I I've seen funny. that it's trending it's recently. Yeah, the meme ones kind of go around and then they get edited. So it's really funny. Sometimes they'll circle back to me and I'm like, oh, someone made this person like a you know, weird character or like you know, change hmm. the meaning of it. It's kind of cool, actually, being in, like, the little ecosystem, I guess you could say. The, uh, the alien one at the keyboard, that's always hilarious. Mm -hmm. when I, I see we're, that uh, we're starting in a bit. We're going to be transitioning into the Twitter space right now. Everybody who's listening to this, go into the Twitter... Actually... No, st stick around on the live stream. This live stream's not going anywhere. But for those who want to listen in on the Twitter space as well, go there. We are also live streaming all of this on uh, uh, DLive, on Odyssey, on Twitch, on all that great stuff, as well as YouTube. And if you're not subscribed to the YouTube, uh, BreakTheRules.tv, go there and subscribe right now. So uh, DMT Quest and Owen, I sent you an invite uh, to the uh, Twitter space. What this basically involves is if you're on the computer, just exit out of here or you could keep the webcam on i guess depending on what you want but i would exit out and yeah, take your phone yeah and take your phone yeah be sure to mute by the way this uh this session over here but i would take the phone and i would go into the twitter spaces and i would talk through the uh twitter space and i'm gonna have the twitter space displayed proudly on this view and i am going to be changing the views right now so let's see if the various machinations i did to Streamyard ended up uh working out shall we so here we go here is the twitter space and i gotta cool. get my yeah. camera in here as well so i'll hang for a minute i might have to bounce eventually but I'll, i mean i will but i'll hang for a minute yeah excellent nice. all right well there there we go so and by the way uh owen if possible uh please share the twitter space as well it's always uh it's always a big help to uh, uh to get that so let's see camera that is the last thing i gotta put my own camera in here which i have not done yet so I'm going to put that in a bit. Uh, here we go. Let's see. This is all figuring out. But, you know, I think I should start this Twitter space. I mean, right now I have people who are waiting. So we have... Ca okay, we have Owen. So here you go, Owen. Invite to... You know what? Invite to a co-host. Why not? Here we go. 
Owen, are you there, buddy? Let's see. Right now you are a listener, but I invited you to speak. And also, here we go. Requested. Uh, add a speaker. Here you go. What's up, Owen? Oh, you muted yourself. You got to unmute yourself. There we go. My check. Whoa, oh, you are inc quick. incredibly loud. Speak a little bit further away, but uh, otherwise, <laughs> I think we're good. Cool. Cool. Excellent. And what about now? Test one, two, three. It's not bad. There was a bit of an echo going. There was a bit of a hiss. Yeah, I still had the uh, I still had the Streamyards one on. Gotcha. And there is a little bit of a hiss, but it's not that bad of a hiss. Honestly, I'd say that uh, whenever you're not talking, you can uh, mute yourself temporarily just so that the hiss goes away because it is a very audible hiss, and I'm not exactly sure uh, where that's from. It could just be your phone. But anyway, Owen, for all the people who are here right now, just uh, give your thoughts to the conversation uh, that we had before, and if people want to see that conversation, and this is still the continuation of that live stream, just go to breaktherules.tv. You should see it at the top over there. You, you see the uh, link written down, and uh, you could find out about it. So just tell us about your uh, experience with this, uh, with this particular stream, the conversation, in short, to get people enticed to watch this from the very beginning. Can you hear me right now? I just want to make sure before yes. I Yes. Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Cool. Um, yeah, man, I thought it was really cool. Uh, naturally, you know, if people have different worldviews about something. Sometimes it's a little bit like, okay, now we're in this closed loop going back and forth. But what I think is interesting about those conversations is like hitting little, not minutia, but little things of like, oh, here's a little spot we have a difference of view on. Here's a little spot. Um, that's kind of the most interesting thing for me about talking with other people. So, yeah, man, I thought it was really cool. Excellent, excellent. And I finally got the uh, virtual camera over here for myself to work, which is great. So uh, let's get some more people in here. We got King Salmonfish. I'm inviting you as the uh, speaker over here. So King Salmonfish, what's on your mind? Have you seen the stream? What do you think? King Salmonfish, you are muted right now. Please unmute yourself so that we can uh, get a load of what you have to say. And if uh, not, I'm going to add in uh, the Discarbonious uh, Heretic, Philip Daniel. What's up, my friend? So go for it, speak. I have no idea what happened to King Salmon. Oh, King Salmonfish, can you speak right now? Yo. Yo. Yeah. Sorry, uh, when you, when you uh, give me the ability to speak, it kicks my Bluetooth earbud off for some reason. I have to reset it. No problem at all. I so, don't understand. So uh, what did you think of the stream? Uh, absolutely fascinating. Um, I lean more towards what Owen had to say about um, objective morality. Um, and I was actually briefly getting into a discussion in the chat with uh, Lisa, whoever that is, um, about basically like moral nuance. So... Uh, I've been exploring some of this moral philosophy recently um, in regards to the culture war and some of the stuff that's going on. And my take is kind of that um, no matter what you do, somebody always gets hurt in some way or another. Um, so like if there's a Karen anywhere out there in existence, uh, no matter what you do, they're going to be emotionally wounded um, by you doing anything or existing at all. Um but to make it more down to earth, uh, we have to kill things to eat. Um, there are many situations that arise uh, of painful disagreements that definitely escalate really frequently into uh, physical damage, even though I believe emotional and psychological damage is just as real as anything else. Um, 
So it, it gets to this point morally where it's like, well, if somebody is breaking into your home and trying to kill your family, like, is it okay then to kill somebody, you know? Mm. Um, so that's kind of where I, I kind of said moral nuance and this chick Lisa was like, uh, well, that's not really nuance. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it, it kind of, I imagine feels like it. I've been in situations where you have to kind of process and do decision-making so even if you settle on something that is in line with your own beliefs at the end of things and you don't really shift, uh, there's still a uncomfortable emotional process of having to figure out what to do. Um, and uh, like I, I, I was in a, a bunch of crazy situations where uh, I was in jail not too long ago and, you know, a bigger dude like stepped up on me and was he was on some complete made up nonsense trying to like, you know, just talk shit about me and defame me and all whatever, all this stuff. And uh, I had to, like, choose not to rip his throat out at the end of that short fight where I overpowered him. Wow. Um, it's tough, uh, it's just, tough yeah, in it's the just quick. One... Hello, King Salmon Fish. Yeah, All right. sorry. Um, oh, no problem. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that it's tough. And, uh, I mean, not that I had any experience, but I could just imagine that as a whole other kind of life just being in prison like talk about a psychedelic experience like would you, what would you say that experience was of you actually being in the clink being in the pokey whatever you want to call it being um, a gp I mean, prison yard dude it was basically to to really summarize the story i actually predicted the pandemic i got some insider information from some mm. virologists oh by the way we got to be careful on talking about this particular subject because of youtube and yada yada cool. yada we got to use code words so okay a anyway I i'm not going to touch back on that but what ended up happening was i did some good stuff but like nobody had any idea what was happening um so i was like brutally misinterpreted and then the authorities kind of got on some straight nonsense and i was actually tortured uh mentally i was assaulted i was drugged um it was really 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 messed up and i actually uh drove a bunch of people completely insane and had one dude drinking out of a toilet and then i uh got picked i got kicked out of jail because i apparently i'm just like monstrous and um you know anyway like everyone admitted to their corruption is kind of like it happened multiple times like everyone just admitted the whole thing was a massive case of corruption um so i don't know like how was it it was it was glorious dude i mean it was it was like a full-blown spiritual moral experience but it was also like incredibly uncomfortable the whole thing mm. the it smells i imagine weren't great either like one time when i went to on a school field trip to the uh, local uh, prison one of the things that really stuck with me was how bad the bathroom smelled well just a general area because the bathroom was like in the room you just smelled all of this horrible you know stench and there weren't even that many people there at all like i don't think there was one prisoner yet the smell still remained was that an experience that you had oh it was it was terrible this place was definitely um in violation of like every conceivable code and all kinds of human rights and all that stuff and when the dude was drinking out of the toilet he was like because I, I basically broke his mind and drove him completely insane because he tried to destroy me um so like he literally was drinking out of a toilet and I, I did some calculations i'm like over the years there's probably been a thousand 
just straight crazy people and like just you know whatever you want to call them criminals bad people but just like i'm like this dude is basically possessed by shit ghosts right now you know what i mean <laughs> like he's drinking out of the, like i'm like there's no way this is good like there's just, it's this is this is so messed up like <laughs> all right oh owen was- owen cyclops what do you think of all this and i saw earlier john was here i want to make sure john comes back and i want to get john's opinion on this as well but owen what do you think of uh, what king salmon fish was talking about right now hey man i'm 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 on the edge of my seat i'm i love it excellent any any questions for king, king salmon fish before we move on Yeah, uh, King Salmon Fish. Um, so, I'm trying to think of the prison lingo. Uh, did you have to carry a bone crusher with you, or was it all like uh, you didn't have to carry anything with you? You didn't have to carry a piece. No, nah, dude, I was uh, I was straight ungovernable. Like I just went at it from an angle they had never seen before. I uh, I disabled the entire command structure uh, and infrastructure of the facility while I was in the hole with a queen of hearts and a seven of clubs and the um the maintenance dude who was the guy who had been working at that place the longest i mean he had seen every criminal mastermind and psychotic uh murderer and violator you can imagine and he was like what is this dude like what is going on right now um and so that was uh yeah i, I just came at them with some they at, by the end of it uh they they put me in a uh, red jumpsuit for like being an escape risk and just horrifyingly dangerous. And then I got kicked out because they're like, we, we literally, the entire place has fallen into pure chaos. We, he can't stay here. Um, and they literally said to me, like, this is going to be the fastest discharge we've ever done. Just get out. Get out of this place. And then, you know, they, uh, they took me to a human trafficking hospital, basically, and, you know, probably made about $3 million in insurance money trying to drug me into a coma. Um, and then they basically tried to Ted Kaczynski me, but I played it a little bit better than Ted. And so I'm free. Uh, but like, you know, there's just kind of this whole uh, official attempt to smear my name kind of thing going on. But I don't particularly hold any like like I just want to let it rest. Basically, like screw it, you know, whatever. It was all very enlightening. Very interesting. And now we finally got DMT Quest in the house i really enjoyed you coming back on buddy i appreciate it i think the last time you came in when uh we actually had a uh conversation was with uh your uh, friend dennis mckenna who was the brother of terence mckenna so for all the people who are watching this saying who are these people i don't know who these people are I am the uh, host of Break the Rules, BreakTheRules.tv, and the mission that we have here, all the people who are involved with BTR, is to bring together all the people who otherwise would never have a chance of speaking with each other. I think we accomplished this today as we have accomplished this on other days. But uh, anyway, DMT Quest, I added you to uh, be able to uh, speak, so uh, let me know if you can speak. I would be very interested in what you thought of the uh, episode and we are still in the episode just so you know everybody who is here this is being live streamed this is being live streamed to breakTherules.tv, to dlive to twitch to uh odyssey to everything but the main link is breaktherules.tv. you go there you subscribe you like you share you do all the things you have to do to survive but anyway dmt quest uh, let me know if you can uh, come in and uh, speak uh this is by the way 
on your cell phone. This is where you have to do it. Otherwise, you cannot speak. You got to be able to use your phone to speak in case you're using the desktop. But anyway, while he is not here yet, let's hear from our good friend and one of the patrons of Break the Rules, Andrew Rogers. So, uh, Tux loves you, aka, let me know what's going on on your side of the street. You are a uh, tech wizard. And I think you would appreciate the tech wizardry that I was able to accomplish today with StreamYard, where I was able to actually give Owen Cyclops a big avatar, which you cannot do on StreamYard, except if you know CSS like I do, and you could just hack the entire system and make it work in your favor. Oh, very nice. Uh, as someone who's generally tried to avoid the front end as much as possible, I, I uh, appreciate that. Excellent. Yes, this isn't... It's great. What did you think of the stream? It was good. I wish I could have paid closer attention. I've, I've been uh, working on uh, a little behind on some uh, some technical writing assignments. I've been trying to go back to school finally uh, for uh, computer engineering, but uh, it's awesome. It uh, echoed. It was kind of a continuation of some of your earlier uh, streams, right? With the uh, you know the because uh, a lot of you brought up before the um, the psychedelics and how they might be a shortcut, but maybe not a good shortcut to uh, a certain realm. You know, and I I find that, that discussion fascinating. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I also... don't know if I have too much to add. No, 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 that is completely fine. And by the way, DMT Quest is jumping on the app right now, so it's all good. I really do think that it's very stupid for Twitter not to allow people to use the desktop app to do the same thing. It would make everything so much easier. I'm using an emulator to stream this, obviously. But uh, Instagram, for those who do not know, I let Gio know about this. Gio, are you utilizing the information that I bestowed upon you now with Instagram? Oh, yeah, you can post uh, from your desktop now. That's, That's right. Crazy. It's amazing. I mean, you could actually have done that before because if you integrate Facebook business with your Instagram account, you can even schedule Instagram posts, which is just mind-blowing to me. But anyway, uh, DMT Quest is coming in right now, and uh, let's see who else we have over here. Geo, only the people that you trust. Who are the people that you trust that we can bring in here into this conversation right now? And I'm not sure who exactly uh, is. I sort yeah. of just, well, okay, let's see. Hatcher, um, Beesridge. Oh, we got we got Colin over here who is a speaker. So, Colin, go for it. Just remember, yeah. we're being live-streamed on YouTube, so don't say any kind of Fed posting. No, no. Although no, no. we were doing our fair share of Fed posting today <laughs> with the uh, you-know-what ape theory. But, you know. No, 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 nothing like that. Um, Lev, I have to say, I'm, I'm not super familiar with the stream. My uh, being on today is actually uh, because of Owen Cyclops. We oh, nice. communicated back in like 2018. Um, I thought that he had genuinely one of my favorite posts on this horrible website, but it was uh, essentially something in regards. I was working with, um, I was working in education at the time, specifically as like an outdoor educator, so getting kids outside. And he had this really like present post about um how kids really latch on to i think outdoor spaces and particularly like people that lead them in outdoor spaces and we sort of discussed um the different things that we do to keep kids engaged in those outdoor spaces and he shared with me an anecdote of how he used to talk essentially about like egyptian theology and egyptian um 
iconography and things like that with kids who, I mean, I'm sure like in the grander sense probably had no idea what he was talking about, but I, I, I felt very drawn to that in the sense that I'm sure that those, those students probably took a lot away from that. And uh, there was something about following his page a little bit more deeply that actually led me to, um, I was living in upstate New York at the time, and I connected with a group of sort of like a, a gentleman's club that was based out of a Greek Orthodox church and not like a gentleman's club in the more like, uh, let's say adult sense, but just genuinely a bunch of Greek guys that like to hang out and went on a truffle hunt with them. And these guys are all in like, I mean, you know, they're like older guys, uh, but went on a truffle hunt, didn't find any truffles, but, uh, I mean, they were talking about psychedelics and smoking hashish back in Greece when they were kids. And, uh, it was this incredible experience that I, I actually felt very much so like I needed to thank Owen Cyclops for that because it was, um, I don't think I would have done that if it, if it hadn't been first off for our conversation about certainly the importance of getting youth out into the environment and kind of taking them to Make that. Sure so, uh, um, you know, again, following his page, uh, more sincerely. So thank you, Owen. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that. That's really cool. You know, it's funny, like, for me, I'm just kind of, like, broadcasting out into the void, it feels like. Like, it's no different if, like, a million people are listening or one. So it's always cool getting, like, feedback from people. That actually, the thing is, that was my goal. I was like, I'm going to get that guy to my Greek friends who used to smoke hashish back in Greece when they were kids. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, right. No, man, that, that's really awesome, man. Yeah, it's kind of funny how the whole internet thing works. It kind of fits with the spiritual stuff we were talking about. Like, you know, someone mentioned something to me 10 years ago, and then 10 years later, it like pops off in this weird way. Like, it is kind of a strange, indirect action web that we all participate in. Yeah, and I actually, I, I live and work in Austin, Texas now. And uh, the property that I work at, I won't name directly, but um, is a pretty high end like resort and spa based in like wellness and um, spirituality. So there are a lot of facilitators that I work with that do, you know, some of them are kind of in on the joke and then others are not, but you know, you have some that do like tarot card readings and clairvoyance and stuff like that. And um, again, I think that there are some that are a little kind of up their own rear ends about it. Like they don't kind of, they take themselves a little too seriously, but then the ones that don't, the ones that um, are able to just like, really get into the to the groove and and whatever you know maybe it's uh whether they they actually think they're reading your mind or, or talking to the spirits is aside I, you know that's for for you know whatever one's you know personal spiritual beliefs are but when someone's really able to just like riff with you about like what the spirits may or may not be uh sharing i i think also kind of fits into your your vibe and uh, i happen to work as the uh outdoor adventure specialist. So I do mostly the rock climbing and, um, uh, kayaking, paddleboarding, stuff like that. But every once in a while we get the chance to touch base with one of the clairvoyants or the resonance psychic that we have. Uh, you really get to pick up a lot of cool stuff. Really a great place to work. And again, yeah, that's, that's super interesting. Yeah. Speaking broadly, I, I do genuinely appreciate, it. I think your page has brought a lot of that to uh, the forefront of my mind and, uh, has certainly given me some interesting talking points. Excellent. And cool, by the way, we finally, 
we finally got DMT Quest uh, to be able to speak. So DMT Quest, let us know. And by the way, I also want to say, Colin, uh, thank you very much for that. I really, uh, I really appreciated that. And it is very important to uh, go outside and uh, touch grass, as the kids say today. Oh, and I have something to ask uh, Owen Cyclops. Can I just find, fin finish with one thing? Sure. Yeah, and uh, genuinely, I'm, I'm new to the to the stream and. King Salmon, I, I I think your story was very interesting. Seems like you really know what you're talking about and uh, a very fascinating guy. Please don't take this personally. But I think that the term Karen just it signifies being terminally online. And I think that it's uh, it's just like a it's a really weird word that I, I think signifies like bad energy. Uh, listen, whether or not a, a, a woman is having an episode or even just like what have you. I, I do think that it's important for us to, especially as people that are older, uh, create a better example for younger men. I think Karen just signifies being terminally online and unfortunately gives off big incel energy, which is unfortunate. Again, no disrespect to you. I, I, I'm sure that you will. Right. Another, yeah, another term, so by the way. I, you're the number one incel that. podcast, actually. No, by the way, another another I, term I, that it's I like... Know, the most part, uh, Karen, Karen is not the greatest meme, but I do reserve the right to say literally anything because I feel like if I repress the option to say anything... Then it becomes a problem, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a shit well, meme. Well, the classic the classic word was busybodies, right? Like in general, just somebody who becomes like a nosy neighbor. These things have appeared throughout time, you know, in various uh, contexts. Yeah, that was even older. I prefer PMC, professional managerial class. Just the most miserable, fluorescent <laughs> yeah. people of all time. It's uh, it's unfortunate what staying inside under fluorescent light does to your brain. It's really, really mm. bad. Yeah, people should have like Anyways, a... Lev, Lev, yes. I'm going to mute myself so others can have the floor, but uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you, Colin. All right, so DMT Quest, you got those headphones on, you're ready to go. Let us know uh, what your thoughts are on the stream that we just had and are still in the way continuing because this is still part of the actual stream. For people oh, who I don't like know, it. I'm also kind of a co-host, but uh, whatever. Yeah, and I Lev thought it was good to... Fact. <laughs> I thought it was good to bring in um, just completely different perspectives in terms of, I guess, the discussion around psychedelics that's much needed. I really didn't know what uh, Owen's uh, perspective is in general, to be quite honest. Um, I don't know if he's like uh, like really deep into, I guess, a specific religion or, or what it is. But I, I guess it would have helped. Maybe I should have done some more homework in terms of where his background was coming from. But... Yeah, I thought it was a good discussion. Would there be anything that you would say, uh, since right now a Gnostic Informant is not here, if you were to uh, channel Gnostic Informant's energy in a certain way and kind of push back, even though I don't know how long Owen can stay here, but kind of push back against uh, some of the things that Owen was talking about in relation to not even the concerns about psychedelics, but more about the quest for knowledge or gnosis or whatever you want to call it versus abiding by a certain established uh, tradition like and you don't even have to push back which is like where where is your stance on uh, that particular issue i think we should allow people to explore i think you know that should be encouraged i don't think it should be shoved down people's throats in terms of psychedelics is the only way because there's a lot of different ways to you know touch the spiritual realm i, I suppose but 
Yeah, I think that exploration is a must, especially in 2021. We can share ideas, share experiences with each other. I think that's really what's been lacking um, for, I guess, decades past or centuries past is the ability to connect with people of different religions, different races, different everything. And maybe we're starting to have an overlap in terms of spiritual experiences that in some cases might not have anything to do with religion, right? People from different religions having mystical experiences and having questions and being able to connect with others. I think that's that's very key. Mm. Uh, psychedelics play a role in that. Is it the only thing? Absolutely not. Uh, we are psychedelics. We're, we're oozing psychedelics. Some of us are oozing more psychedelics than others endogenously. So, yeah, that's what I would say to that. And for those who don't know, by the way, when you say endogenously, you did the amazing documentary called uh, DMT Quest, retweeted by the great Joe Rogan as well as writing the books uh, Question for the Lion Tamer, Parts 1 and 2. I highly recommend everybody check them out. They are in the description of the video that you could find, again, on BreakTheRules.tv. But uh, anyway, uh, the one the one issue that I would have with that, and this may be something I don't want to speak for Owen or uh, the other people here, so I'm curious, Owen, if you would agree on this, but I think the issue that a lot of people, let's say on the more religious there's like some spoon clanking going on. That's probably a note to Sticks, Hex and Hammer 666, who we are going to have with us on January uh, the uh, 11th. But anyway, would you say that the feeling is a lot of people are kind of raised by wolves, more or less? Like they, they're not raised with a kind of structure that it would enable them to make the right decisions. So when they're not raised in that kind of structure, when they just do go off and do their own thing and, you know, why can't you let people enjoy things, yada, yada, yada. When they're in that mode, they could possibly make a lot of bad decisions and there's not going to be any grounded structure for them to uh, fall back on today. And they may be seduced by some, um, you know, silver-tongued, uh, you know, whoever, you know, and that's going to be a big issue. So, Owen, would you agree with that uh, statement? Um, yeah, no, yeah, totally. I don't think there's anything that you said that's any, like, that's, like, totally, you know, off the walls or, like, way too out there. It's kind of like I still started, like, you know, if we met at a party, like, the tone of the conversation would obviously be, like, totally different. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, for me, I definitely agree in a sense Honestly, I'm really trying to figure out what the role of like the individual versus tradition versus like authority and individual judgment and how it all fits together. So that's something that I'm like really working on and trying to figure out. Um, it's not like I heard what you said and was like, oh, my God, this guy's nuts. Um, yeah, but it's, re it's really weird for me, though, why for sure. it, ha it happens a couple of times. There are some people in the chat who say, like, Lev, once again, you're misinterpreting our views, like, when I'm talking about, like, more of the orthodox people. And I'm not, I'm really trying to be as, uh, as uh, charitable as I can to the idea that there are going to be certain precepts out there that people want to lean on and uh, follow. And I don't see there being anything wrong there. However, I still lean on there being there being something to the idea of acquiring actual knowledge, acquiring actual wisdom over time. And I do agree with you, Owen, that I think that there is this objective spiritual truth that people can get to. And I see a lot of organized religions as containing certain things to get people there. But one of my biggest concerns has been, especially if we're talking about the much more rigid religious structures, the concern is, is somebody doing something good because they actually feel like if they were to do the opposite 
that inside they would feel the pain of uh, whatever they would cause a person? Or are they doing good and have been conditioned to do this good just because they know that if they don't go do good, either they're going to go to hell or in certain countries today, they'll, they'll get their arms chopped off or something. You know, like that's what uh, comes to my mind when it comes to how do we judge a person to be a good person? How do we judge them to actually climb up the ladder of spiritual understanding as opposed to just being an automaton that's been taught to do a b and c otherwise they're going to feel pain i think this uh brings up a good point because the, the whole thing is about these these chemicals right these i guess drugs if you want to call them that um so you can yes. you can take you, no i i mean there's other things you can do like shamanic pain rituals and meditation and all kinds of stuff um but my point was basically like this kind of uh gets into addiction interestingly because you can make yourself feel good you know what i mean and that's not necessarily uh the singular indicator of moral right and wrong um but i guess over a long period of time yeah if you're in the throes of addiction you can definitely identify that you don't particularly feel in a state of absolute bliss and satisfaction um because you are kind of at odds with objective reality to a pretty good extent well, that would but be, it is that, very interesting, yeah. though, how we're equating, like, um, as soon as we talk about psychedelia, the question of morality comes up. But uh, well, I want to get to Zeta. You, you had your hand up. But also, before that, I just want to ask Owen a quick question. It seems that um, over the years, you've sort of transitioned more towards um, contemplating on the work of art and contemplating on various religious themes. And you don't tend to, like as political as you were back and like i remember first time i heard of first time i think it was like the content enemies that was like 2016 um it seems <laughs> yeah, that dude. have you sort of changed <laughs> have you sort of changed like your opinion on various identitarian issues or do you think that politics is just like a losing game because it seems that you're you're much more mature not mature but like you are more i think focused on these questions that are sort of transcend the political I mean, to sort of like, I know I'm like kind of sucking your dick a bit, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Um, yeah, man. I mean, to keep it, to keep it short. Uh, I, well, one thing that's kind of like at the front of that answer is that what I do, I don't necessarily think everyone else should do. That kind of sounds like it goes without saying, but a lot of times when people are talking about, you know, what level they should be involved in, like, direct politics, or if it's dumb to focus on X, Y, and Z, it kind of sounds like I'm saying, oh, well, if you don't do this, you know, you're kind of being misled. It's not what I think. There are some people where their vibe, like, really is about engaging directly with the political, and that's what we do, and we kind of, like, need them to do that. Um, for me, it just kind of drifted more and more back towards my home base of art and spirituality. That's really what I'm not only the most comfortable talking about, but it really is how I see things at the base level. So there was that natural kind of proclivity, but also I think that in terms of being efficacious and me focusing on what I could do, it's almost like those two things merge together. So if I'm really sitting at my desk and I'm like, you know, I want to change things. I don't really like how things are going. It's almost like the best thing I could do is make art, get people to think, you know, should I be watching porn? Should I be doing drugs? Maybe not DMT, but should I be doing like weed? And I smoke weed every day. That's crazy. I never thought about it. Like, should I, like, what are my goals, you know? And it's not like I have those answers, but I felt like focusing on the art and spirituality was just the obvious route, both towards playing to my strengths, but also 
making any kind of efficacious change. Um, like, I don't really like to talk about it too much, but I do get people DMing me being like, you know, I was looking at your art and it made me think about X, Y, and Z, and now I'm like going to church or now I'm, you know, doing this thing. And like, I just felt like it was my strength. Let's put it that way. It was, it was how I could play to my strength and best play my cards. I view myself as like a little pawn on the chessboard. It's kind of the best way to say it. Did, did you feel like you had to sort of escape certain like, hyper-political groups that were quite popular at the time. Like, I know people, they view you as part of, like, fraud Twitter, but also, like, like specifically with the identitarian stuff, do you feel like you drifted away for a reason, or do you still, like... Or do you think it's, like, that wasn't your vibe, that wasn't your thing? Um, I wouldn't say it that way. I think that with a lot of the political stuff, I started to really dislike how just stepping into the conversation you're kind of forced to identify with the caricature of what the other person already thinks, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I noticed that. I noticed that while at first I really liked that, I eventually realized that it was not doing what I wanted it to and that it would be better for me to go kind of the more circuitous route that I just described. So it's like when you enter, let's say, take something really tame, I don't know, like gun control. It's like if you enter a gun control conversation, you kind of have to be like, well, I'm the pro-gun control guy or I'm the anti-gun control guy. And then you have to spend your whole time sort of unpacking these like myths and caricatures about you, which is good for some people. That's like what they're really good at and maybe what they were supposed to do. But for me, yeah, like I said, I just felt like it played more to my strengths to go around it. And also just to maybe give a more interesting answer shortly, I started to feel like a lot of things were more con- – not that I changed what I think about anything, but I realized the way people were coming to the table were kind of conditional – on their direct situation in a way that me just kind of grabbing the megaphone and telling them what to think it just made that not really the move for me yeah that's good that's great actually Can oh, I jump oh, in with a comment? Uh, really yeah. quickly then we got to get to zeta because he's has his hand up but yeah colin go ahead well, uh, sort of just going off of what Owen was just saying, I, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and of course named after Christopher Columbus. And for decades, there was a uh, large brass statue in front of City Hall. It's the state capitol, but it was in front of City Hall that was, uh, of course, uh, to Christopher Columbus. And for, I mean, decades since like the 60s, local Native American groups, indigenous peoples had been arguing and, and rallying and protesting against it. And I mean, I, I hate to reference uh, uh, The Sopranos in such a direct sense, but of course, <laughs> if you're familiar with the show, there is that great episode where they go and face off with indigenous peoples about uh, Christopher Columbus Day. And I actually found myself, I had a great deal of pride in where I grew up and, and found myself certainly um, passionate about about the the statue and about the, the city's name and, and uh, the effigy of, of, of which it was named for, you know, the person. Uh, I never grew up, I was not a very religious person growing up, but that was something I was very passionate about, very political. Well, having moved to Austin, I actually have a co-worker now, um, certainly won't say her name, but she's a indigenous person, very much involved with her tribe. I work with her every day, really a very, very special person who's, of course, done peyote, mescaline, you know, has, has herself engaged in, uh, you know, experimentation with psychedelics and, um, for her, I mean, I've, I've certainly have never, I, I think she might be the most politically apolitical person I've ever met because her beliefs are not based in something as silly as like city pride, but based on religious or spiritual beliefs that date back for thousands of years. And I, I have 
uh, been truly moved by that because, again, truly the most politically apolitical person, like, has the things that she believes in but doesn't ever feel the need to put on a facade about it or certainly to, to play a part. It's just her part, yeah. what she, what she believes. And, and, uh, again, I, I, another thing, this is like 2018 Owen Cyclops, but, um, you, you had picked up like a, like an old school, like Gutenberg press or like some sort of like small, um, printing press, like a handheld printing press. But anyways, I, I I think about that a lot with with certain people that I meet and it's like every word that she says is like coming is like so meticulously typed out on like a printing press. It, it's just this thought that could not come from any other experience in her. I think religious and, and spiritual presence is probably the most like like secondhand religious I've ever been. And, and uh, I, I think that again, coming from a, an experience or a, a childhood experience of being surrounded with what I thought was an indigenous culture of resentment or dislike of my people. And certainly there are, I would imagine, more radical indigenous rights activists that would deny my existence or, you know, what, you know, I don't mean to be too political here, but uh, to be to be confronted with someone who that is that's not her it's not her point of view it's her reality the reality of being an indigenous person in what she calls the land we now call texas is uh very moving and i think very powerful to again that that idea of where do spiritual beliefs come from is it subjective objective is it personal or community-based uh because i i have been invited on many occasions to attend uh, powwows for her tribe and group ceremonies. Haven't had the chance to go yet, but it's not a question of pomp and circumstance. It's a question for her of if she doesn't, then her traditions die. It's not as if I'm going to go to, you know, the store and, uh, you know, Stetsons and start putting feathers in my cap and get a traditional headdress but even the ideas of verbally or socially communicating what their uh, tribal traditions are, keep them alive and keep them at least in someone's brain. Um, I think it goes back to, you know, the idea that, you know, when you truly die is when uh, the last person says your name, which I think uh, for her is, is much bigger than some dumb statue in downtown mm. Columbus, Ohio. That's a uh, very powerful and uh, very, well very good. Yes. But it does come to the question so, uh, of uh, Zeta, whether... you have been waiting for... It does... Uh, okay, uh, we're going to get to Zeta. Gio, do you know who Zeta is? Uh, Gio? I think no, a few people know me. He seems but, like a nice uh, guy. I actually All have right. a question for Gio. Go for it. Well, first of all, I don't really know much about... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Alex. All I know is that uh, it's definitely a sin, and it makes you see demons, so I'm against that personally. But my real question for geo i'm zoomer theosis and i wanted to ask you why you as a christian thought it was okay to slander me and call me a porn addict on a live stream with jonathan pajot why do you think that was okay oh is this actually zoomer theosis yeah, <laughs> i didn't call you a porn addict by the way yeah you did i can well i don't right know you had a lot of right suspicious is takes i mean you is this not you saying calling me a porn it's addict? Your porn addiction, uh... That's you well, talking. Well, I mean, maybe I was I'm being hyper. Right now. I'm maybe I was being you hyperbolic. You're being hyperbolic. You said uh... I was a porn addict. 
I've ne I don't watch porn. Well, I don't know. Did you have takes about uh, lusting after your sister? Did you have those no, takes I didn't on say Twitter? That. I said that you shouldn't do something with your girlfriend you that you wouldn't do with your sister because before you're married, she is your sister in Christ. That's what I said. So now, well, okay, let me ask you then. Why do you feel? Apologize. Why do you feel that? Why don't you just apologize? Well, why do you feel that uh, well, why you're just making takes that are kind of suspicious theologically? How is that where, suspicious? Well, if I've slandered. Well, I mean, to say that you can't look at your wife in the nude, I mean, that's kind of... What I, I don't said know, bro. Was, <laughs> that's... I said that nudity can be harmful even if it's your spouse. And I was talking about gawking at your wife nude because you can still lust after someone even after you're married. Lust doesn't end at marriage. And I said it was about religious art. The whole conversation was about religious art. But you took that to me. Oh, this guy is a convert. I'm Greek. I'm oh, oh, yes, the take that all art with porn. nudity is not real art, right? What does your, it do with Your porn? buddy... Uh... Well, hold, hold on. I don't know. You think that all art with nudity is pornography. I don't know. I didn't that. say that. Kind of a I, said, I, I said not all nudity is pornography, but looking at nudity can be harmful. Those are my exact words. So not only did you like misquote You me, said all instances of looking at nudity are harmful. You're a Christian. I'm asking you to apologize to me, Christian to Christian. I will be willing to forgive you if you apologize to me. Okay, listen, listen. Okay, listen, listen. Now that you've come, I will apologize if I have mischaracterized your words. So I'm sorry for doing that. But I do think that some of your takes are borderline, not like, you know, I don't agree with. But if I have slandered you, then I will be a man about it. I'm very sorry, Zumerthiosis. Uh, I completely I don't think, you. I mean, and that I, was I, just, I understand the criticism, you know. and I apologize. I apologize to you if I came off, you know, very aggressive, if I came off mean. But it's like I've been, I mean, I, I still lurk a little bit. And I look at, I, you know, search up Zumerthiosis. Everybody's calling me this stuff. And it's like, did you say it in front of Jonathan Joe? That's why I wanted to ask you for an apology, but I forgive you. L I forgive listen, you. I think, I, I, listen, I will agree now that I've thought about it for a few weeks. Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up. And next time we have Jonathan on, maybe I will correct the record. I will, I, no, I'm not maybe, I will correct the record. I, I think that you are a man enough to come here and confront me. And for that, I do give my sincere, as a Christian, I am a Catholic, but I do have a deep, uh, I actually, like I've said, I've contemplated actually converting, but I, I, I mean, I, I really can't, you know, I have very family, you know, cultural issues with that, but I have a deep love and respect for orthodoxy, and I do, I feel sorry if I have slandered you, and uh, maybe I will even make a tweet publicly saying I'm, I, I mm. um, yeah. All right, Gio, before we go any further, I, I want to make sure I want to make sure we keep on the uh, conversation here, the main one of psychedelics. But this was an interesting aside. I would like to know more about Zoomertheosis later on. But I do want to go quickly to DMT Quest because I know you have to go. Okay, so DMT. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much for the kind words. No problem, dude. No problem. No problem. All right. So the moment. I'm glad I was here for that. Yes. So DM DMT Quest. Any final thoughts uh, from, well, I guess this conversation as well, anything that's been said right now uh, before you go, any wishes you want to spread? Yeah, I mean, shout out to all the Christians and all the Catholics out there. I mean, I think we can have these conversations and still be respectful. And I, I have a, a deep amount of respect for all religions, even though I'm not religious myself. And obviously we're delving into the endogenous DMT research. I feel it's, though it's almost a way to validate um, some of the mysticism behind these religions. And I think, excuse me, that's one of the most intriguing aspects of this entire project going forward, at least for me, is that uh, people will start to look at life in a magical way and maybe start to open their minds to the fact that 
some of these religions, not only did they have these supernormal abilities, but maybe there was some to go along with the teachings as well. Maybe it was intertwined, the supernatural abilities and the, and the teachings that came along with it and the insight. So, yeah, it's an exciting time to be alive, that's for sure. Absolutely, it is an exciting time. And by the way, we have uh, Jer Jerry Lee, who is not a speaker, but if you are interested in speaking, you seem to be very different from this particular world and what Break the Rules likes to do. It likes to bring people together who otherwise would never have a chance to speak. So let me know if you want to uh, add anything to the conversation. I am more than happy to uh, welcome you on board over here. But uh, we got uh, Law Without, who is this? Law Without the Sea. Once again, Gio, do you know... Can yes. I ask a question to the Catholics in the room? Sure. Sure. I, I, as someone unfamiliar with Catholicism, but I do find the, uh, the ceremonial aspect to be enticing and very beautiful and moving. I, I, sincere question, sincerely. Do you fear Christ or do you love him or do you respect how much you love him because you fear him? This is actually a question I've been curious about for a long time. Thank you. I am not Catholic, but I will start the answer if anyone else wants to chime in. I'm going to bounce in like 5'10", so if anyone is dying to tell me that I'm like an idiot and argue with me, please make yourself known because I'm totally down. But anyway, as for your question, uh, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, right? I think that that is like a really interesting thing that pits like the biblical worldview against a lot of other worldviews. So I'm not Catholic, but I thought since no one was answering, I would kind of throw that out there. I think that that is something that makes a worldview rooted in the Bible interesting because it says not only is it a factor it's kind of like the starting point to fear god can, can you repeat your question i was typing out a tweet um uh, essentially I'm the Catholic question is uh, uh, yes and i was actually gee i was looking for your answer in specific because of course you had, you had mentioned previously that you're catholic uh, and again genuine question here do you fear christ or do you love how much you fear him it's a, i know i understand that's a complicated question but i i trust I, I in my heart that i i think you know what i mean i i think that and, and i want to get to a follower of mine lawless uh law without c um i i i think fear it almost goes back to kierkegaard right fear and trembling i think that to to fear christ is you fear what life would be like without the light of christ now, as a Catholic and an artist, I, I, I take it very seriously because I believe that as an artist, the mission of life should be to honor that which has given you life, which is the light of Christ. And I think that fear is a healthy metric from which you can guide yourself and your own being towards uh, correct, not just correct behavior, belief, but also to make yourself attune with that which gives you the most amount of flourishing, which is the lessons that are given to us by Christ. So I think fear is pretty much, I mean, I know there's a, you know, a, you know, rightfully it's a stereotype about the guilt and Catholic thing, but I mean, that's there for a reason because it is true. Catholic, um, a lot of Catholic cultures, you know, especially uh, us Italians and Irish and so forth, uh, guilt is sort of a, a, an, an ancient sense a healthy uh, corrective. You, you are not just guilty out of sort of a baseless fear, like a very primitive, like monkey brain, uh, like I fear this judgment. It should be something deeper that instantiates within you the lessons of Christ. And that's the least I, I view it. I think that 
it's very simplistic when people say that, well, Christianity is just avoiding hell, right? I mean, yeah, hell is the reality, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's to find that which is more, how shall I say this? It is to find what is eternally alive, which is, you know, our, our, um, our faith and, and uh, what Christ has given to us. It's not necessarily to view uh, fear and trembling in that, oh, my God, I'm going to go to hell. It's, it's, that's too, you know, that's... But, uh, but Gio, that's the, bi that's the big question. That's the big question for me. Like, how exactly would you go from one to the other? What is the transitionary point between somebody practicing because they're afraid of the lake of fire versus somebody getting to the level where, like I said before, when you hurt somebody where you do wrong to somebody, you would actually feel inside that feeling of doing wrong to somebody, and that would be your own personal hell, if you will. I would, uh, I, I would like to answer this question. Uh, I'm a Christian yeah, go ahead. and I would actually like to build a bunch of different bridges between things. So it might take a couple seconds, but, um, there's a song by Eden called Babel and it kind of opens with one of these dub dubbed in clips. And it says, uh, we, something along like we don't fear the darkness. What we actually fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We fear our own light, basically. And uh, because this is a conversation about psychedelics, I would actually like to take it back to that and how I've arrived at this. Um, so this whole idea of ego dissolution, when it like that goes back to Terrence McKenna, and then um, Alan Watts talks about this internal simulation um, that you know your sense organs basically take in information and you have this internal simulation that can be more or less coherent with reality. So fear um, neurobiologically somewhat is a signal to your conscious mind uh, that something that you love is in danger and anger is kind of like a motivational force to kill whatever that problem is, whether that's an incredibly abstract or a very, you know, physical, literal, like fighting a bear or something. Um, so this is kind of like a spiritual, emotional intelligence that I'm not the master of here, but it's like actually these things that we generally put a negative connotation on uh, with a lot of exploration, you can see the good in them. And so my take is that um, I started out as an agnostic and then I learned that evil was definitely real and that led me to God because I had already been given the gift of like love in my life. So it naturally led there. Um, and so I kind of see Jesus as this perfect, good ideal, which is basically a judge. And that that gets into uh, revelations. And, uh, you know, he's he's going to bring the sword. Basically, he's going to bring division. Um and so it's strangely not so much the devil that I'm worried about. It is living up to this, this gift, this ideal, perfect good and striving towards that. Uh, and I'm afraid of my own power in a sense to choose and, and fuck that up. Cause I will, you know what I mean? And uh, so like Jesus in Christian belief is like the deciding factor i mean none of your works uh matter without jesus it's like once you have jesus in the equation good and then you know do charity and do good works and stuff and try and live up to that judging beautiful beyond comprehension good ideal that is judging you and like is putting real 
stress and pressure on your choices. And so that's why I'm like agreeing with Owen so much is because I realized there are things that are really, really, really bad. And I've experienced a lot of it. And even though I have this internal simulation, like if I want to do a steel man, Gnostic informant, life is an unproven theory. You know what I mean? Like just everything, your bad feelings, unproven theory. It's all just a conspiracy theory. Could be the demiurge, could be whatever. But there's this thing with love that just kind of breaks all of that, where it's like, I don't actually feel that I need to know. I just, this is my experience. It is, it is existential, not so much. Uh, it's like the deepest layer of my, like my consciousness has a set of variables that can shift around like psychedelics, like Terrence McKenna talks about kind of just alter the contents of your consciousness. But there's this like, there's this like deep thing underneath that that's like what I've been trying to get at this whole time. And that's, that is the judge. And that is the, the thing that has honestly dragged me through the hardest times in my entire life. So, I mean, I just believe as much as I can. Yeah. And, and, and King Salmon going off of that. And again, keeping it in terms of psychedelics, uh, what a, a beautiful thing you just said. I, I, I truly agree and both recognize that. And I, I can share from personal experience, my, my, really only like deep dive into psychedelics was an experience with salvia where I, I mean, entered into a, a new dimension and it horrified me. It, 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 I mean, to this day, what a, what a horrifying experience. And, and in that fear, I think that I found a love for consciousness and a, a, a certain, a, a love for being sober. I mean, like I, I longed for being sober. I can even remember like quite specifically think like being just absolutely messed up on salvia sending in uh a jeep my my friend max's jeep and just longing for being sober so in fear i found a love and i i I, a love that was very passionate a love for not being there a love for being grounded and sober and i think that what you said really rings true again in the question of whether you love or fear, you know, whatever godly intimate you, you might believe in. But um, uh, in, in your fear of that creation or that creator, you love what you would lack without it. Or you, you love what you have with it. You, you fear what you have, what you would have without it. You fear the, the loss that you would have without him, her, what have you and love what you have with them so certainly my own again foray into psychedelics i i feared what i was experiencing and longed if not loved the feeling of being sober it was a, a truly grounding and and truly uh uh something i'll never forget boy do i not i i do not look back on that fun i am i am also sober and i wanted to say one more thing but i don't want to take up all the airspace so Dante's Inferno is quite interesting because the lowest layer of hell is cold and it is it is a it is like the furthest distance from God but at the bottom of that hell is a doorway out because it's like when you reach that furthest point you realize that even that is not beyond God's reach mm. you know and so kind of like this weird metaphorical spiritual 
symbolic thing where like the devil has always had a doorway straight to God uh, right next to him, you know? And like, it's just kind of funny that this, this whole thing always like, like at the furthest point, you're like, Oh, I suddenly realize, you know, like I hmm. suddenly get it. Well, that also reminds well, yeah, me I mean, of, uh, of a, a, Oh, sorry. Goofy. It's such a goofy, you know, metaphor that I'm sure we're all familiar, hmm. familiar with. But the um, darkness is simply the the absence of light, which I feel almost uh, silly, if not sententious, saying that. But uh, it, I, I think that that rings true in that, and that the, the deeper you go into the darkness, the more you love and appreciate the light. And uh, speaking as someone who I, I think the last time I smoked uh, uh, cannabis was like a year ago. And I, I just, I, I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. I mean, I just felt horrible. It was a horrifying feeling. And again, the, you know, that made me appreciate, if not long, again, more for the presence of being uh, not high. Uh, now, this is coming from someone that I love having a beer. Beer is cool. Love having a beer. Keep it pretty simple. But I'm by no means sober is what I mean to say. But again, the uh, the presence of, uh, of that certainly struck me as quite a quite a you know the absence again of of being sober makes you long for that moment have you guys uh looked at yo, by the way quick, uh yo, yes real, real quick i'm gonna have to bounce out i realized whoever i leave after it was gonna make it sound like i was being rude to them but i gotta bounce out and do baby stuff um <laughs> well owen thank you so much for coming well, in was... guys buy owen's book oh, God bless you, my friend. Hanging... yeah i really enjoyed hanging out with everyone and uh owen, i'll catch you guys best. later so Thanks, I want to yeah, I want to uh, take a one thing really quick. I will say one thing before I leave, just to end on like an interesting note, in case anyone was like waiting for me to talk. Not that they were, mm -hmm. but one thing we didn't hit on just super quick is that the Gnostic informant guy mentioned that um, you know you have these religions and they're merging and developing. One thing I just want to throw out there because it took me a long time to even consider this as an option, but we assume that those are progressions, but it's also possible that those are degradations. I'm kind of toying around with the idea. I don't actually know if it's true, but like. Religion generally starts with some kind of revelation, and then over time, maybe it degrades more than it progresses. It's kind of interesting working backwards through time. I don't know if that's true, but I thought I'd just end with an interesting idea. Anyway, check out my book. It's on Amazon. I'm chilling is the last thing I do, and I'm leaving. Yes. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was Thank really you, fun, Owen. Thanks for Thank you so everybody. much for coming in. So yeah. one, one I, of the things I agree that... I uh, it's true. Like, religions will degrade over time. Well, some, all, some will degrade, some will upgrade. Well, I mean, it's, it's a strange thing, though, Geo, to think that things only go in one tra trajectory. I think some things evolve, some things devolve over time. Things take uh, different directions. Maybe with the cycles of history, you can have uh, times when it's great and times when it goes back to being this uh, Stone Age, you know, and then things have to arise again. But then there is also a question of, is there a cycle within the cycle? So, for example, maybe these whole cycles of civilizations rising up and then cataclysms occurring and us having to start again, if this is something that, let's say, with the Graham Hancock hypothesis, this is something that happens all the time, then maybe there is some kind of a cycle within the cycle, some trajectory that we're going towards, where every time, like, a child touches a hot stove and it burns his hand, maybe collectively this is something that's happening with people where we keep making the same mistakes over and over again and maybe there is a need for people to start understanding that uh when you hurt somebody it is like you're hurting yourself so maybe there is some kind of lesson that if we don't learn it 
then the Etch-a-Sketch board just kind of uh, shakes and uh, we got to start over again. Uh, who knows? You know, then, then the meteor comes and whatever. But uh, we do have more people here right now. So we have Carter. Now, Carter, I'm going to trust you. I've never met you before, but I've looked through your Twitter. I saw this nice picture with your cat. So I am going to take a Hail Mary. I'm going to trust you on this one. Uh, don't fail me, Carter. What do you what, what do you got to say here? I'm going to invite you to uh, yeah speak. Um, so my my first name is Riley. Carter is my middle name, um, just for clarification. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just joined this this room and I heard you guys talking about uh, narcissism and psychedelics and um, just uh, spirit and and you know large questions about consciousness and this stuff just really fascinates me. Um, so. I have kind of an interesting perspective on this. Um, I've done a lot of psychedelics. I've done mushrooms and, and acid and all those things. Um, never done DMT. Um, and yeah, I've been asking some big questions about Gnosticism and Christianity. I just became a Christian uh, recently. And the reason I became a Christian is I actually ha went through a deliverance. So it was like an exorcism um, from from generational demons and curses that I inherited from my childhood. So the adverse experiences of my childhood were the result of generational bloodline curses in my family. And so I saw a deliverance minister and she delivered me from all these demons. And one of the major demons was a curse that I inherited from my granddad, who was a third degree master Mason and he was also involved in the Scottish Rite. So he was a Freemason. And um, I was actually doing some reading today about Freemasonry and the, the conflict between Catholics and Freemasons. Cause I just went through a breakup with my girlfriend who was in, who was a Catholic. And um, I think that um, it, it, it was interesting to me because I was, I was reading about how the Templars, um, are connected to Masons. Historically, the Templars were what led to Freemasonry going all the way back to Solomon and um, that stuff. And that goes all the way back to Gnosticism, which is long considered to be a heresy of Christianity because it you know, talks about the Demiurge, the idea of um, the, the human spirit being trapped in this sort of like prison matrix and um, the Demiurge being the devil and the, the greatest trick was that he was Yahweh of the Old Testament. Um, so just a lot of stuff to think about. Um, Freemasonry is just fascinating to me because of uh, they, they supposedly worship the Grand Architect, which is the All-Seeing Eye, which is considered by Catholics and true Christians to be Lucifer or the devil. Um, and that cursed me. Um, because my granddad was a mason and now that i'm a christian um i renounced all that stuff but yet i still find myself being really fascinated by gnostic thought um and the g in the, in the masonic um label actually stands for gnosis or god mm. or um, it, it, it may architect. also stand for uh, the number seven in the gematria so g being the seventh letter and the number seven is considered to be the number of perfection. Yeah, interesting. And there's also seven chakras and exactly, seven yeah. Sins. 
Seven is an interesting number for mm. sure. I see triple sevens often, like on YouTube. I see like YouTubers that have like the triple seven. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of jumping around a lot. Um, mm. But I, I think this this topic, just talking about the demiurge, um, psychedelics are something like I just quit smoking weed and I'm I'm staying away from psychedelics now because like I see them as kind of like something that is kind of I guess you are kind of looking for you're kind of opening Pandora's box I think when it comes to psychedelics and with great wisdom um, also comes great mm. vexation and so maybe being a true Christian and following the living God following Jesus is in many ways like taking the blue pill, but ignorance is bliss. And if you are to take the red pill and you are to try psychedelics and you are to go deeper into mm. the maze, um, I, I don't think, up, I don't think those are the only two ways. Yeah. Though. You can OD on red pills to the point yes. where the red pill becomes the uh, suppository. Well, look at all the, look at all the Q well, boomers, well, but uh, no, but to the, uh, but, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Showing up is right. harder, but remind me your first name. My first name is Riley. My full name is I, Riley Carter Bloom. Riley, I'm curious to know, do you think that, that the the feeling of uh, generational sin or generational um, curse, as, as I, I think you had put it, came before or after your intro to psychedelics? Um, so I think that I personally... Um, decided to try psychedelics um and that was my own personal decision but i think that the 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 things that affected me as a child is what ultimately led me to recreational drug use as a form of escapism right to escape these deep feelings and these deep traumas that i wanted to avoid um, but yeah, I think like avoiding that, that stuff. And I think psychedelics as in a, in a way, um, helps me cope with that stuff. But the only one that I found brought me closer to the light and closer to God was, um, psilocybin and, and LSD was one that kind of almost did the opposite. It almost put me back in touch with the matrix. I think like LSD has this sort of matrixy quality to it and then psilocybin yeah, more big uh, yeah if you're going to do one then do uh psilocybin i mean that's probably the most natural mm. in terms of integration of the human experience with these contacts with drugs i mean psilocybin apparently has been with us since the monkey days i've tried i i for me psilocybin hand to god never worked mm. This whole entire yeah. thing reminds me of a uh, shout out to Ping Trip. If nobody knows who that is, his edits are hilarious, but it's just uh, Joe Rogan. Like, hey, man, you want to see demons? <laughs> it's, it's honestly, some of the best edits ever. Um, there, but, there, you know, honestly, it might not be a bad thing to literally travel into hell and see a bunch of demons like that might be useful. Yeah. Well, that's you know? what uh, that's what Joey Diaz, the comedian Joey Diaz, said that when he goes to the weed store, he tells them right off the bat. I want to see the devil. I can't do a good voice of Joey Diaz impression. If anybody here could do a good Joey Diaz impression, do it. Um, I want to see the devil. Exactly. Give me the devil stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, uh, but to what, but to what uh, Carter was uh, talking uh, talking about earlier, 
I think that this isn't a choice of either you take the red pill in the form of psychedelics or you take the blue pill in the form of uh, just uh, being ignorant to whatever's out there other than what you know. Somebody's got their mic on. I think it's uh, Colin. Uh, so I think that there could be another way of going about this where you do acquire wisdom through, I don't know, like partly meditation, partly just being still and uh, just gaining wisdom through whatever it is that you see from not being attached so much to all the experiences that you have. I think that there is a change that can come about in the human in the human mind when they do. See, I don't want to use the term upgrade their software because I think that's kind of bullshit. That's, again, this materialistic way of thinking about what exactly we are. But I think that there are still certain places we can go without psychedelics where we can look at the world a different way. And there is an interesting thing a Kabbalist uh, once said where the world that we perceive we always imagine it being outside of us meanwhile according to him there is no outside that everything is actually going on within you and it is your relationship to what is going on within you that is what you have the ability to control and the more you are able to change the way that works in such that you stop being as attached to uh, the receiving nature and start giving more and start being in such a state that you do everything for the sake of others. And it doesn't mean that you start giving out candy, that you start, you know, just uh, letting everybody through the border or whatever. That's not the point. The point, you know, Hold you have up. to you use your mind. Did you a Kabbalist said this? A Kabbalist said this. As in Jewish mysticism? As in Jewish mysticism, Yes. Yeah, and that must be why they're so anti-beauty and so anti-material. Wait, wait, hold on a second. First of all, the anti-beauty thing is complete bullshit. I can uh, show you various examples of genius Jewish poets, artists, architects that have contributed to um, all the uh, places that they were in. So this idea of Jewish anti-beauty is complete bullshit, in my opinion. Now, if we are talking yeah, about... Well, you Michael Jones had a good video on this. Look at what they've done to art. Because no, what do you mean what they have done to art? Egon Sheila, is, is Egon Sheila, hold on, hold on, hold on, is Egon Sheila, is he Jewish? No, Sounds I don't believe like so. No, he's not. But so again, this whole... I, actually, was, was I, I think the WVG considered... here, I think the WVG here brings up an interesting uh, query, if not a question, I mean... What makes you think that way? You say, look at what they've done to beauty. Look at what they've done to art. Now, I must preface this by saying that I grew up in Reform Judaism. I consider myself unaffiliated at the time, but certainly the most lax Judaism is, as perhaps might be. But I'm curious to know your position on this a little bit more. Just looking at how they've uh, spearheaded lewdness into in the mainstream culture, and I bring up films, for example, because you can see the different executives and uh, directors and producers that actually like pushed for degeneracy in Hollywood, nudity in movies, etc., leading to pornography being created. And even like you look at the guys behind MindGeek who own Pornhub and I think like another pornography site. All right. What and about uh, uh, okay? What about the Jewish. Cohen brothers? This is true, but Hold Jews have also been disproportionately involved in European classical music. Yes. Some of the greatest composers of the 19th and 20th century, like Felix oh, Mendelssohn and Gustav Mahler and Arnold Schoenberg were Jews, and they composed beautiful musicals. Someone disagreed with me on Schoenberg. 
But uh, no, but even with Hollywood, for I, example, and I'm, you, and, I'm, and I'm a Jewish fan, yeah. and I compose, and I hope I compose beautiful work. No, you it's compose beautiful. Well, let me, let me. No, wait, 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 wait. But hold on. This is this is gonna be my chance to also explain kind of like the repeat of what happened with the Sotomayor thing, and I'm gonna explain it as succinctly as possible, and then uh, then Gio, you could explain it as well. So when we're talking about uh, Hollywood, even like forget even uh, classical music, let's focus on Hollywood. You have things even today, you have the Cohen brothers, you have various other Jewish directors that are not pushing a lot of this crap. Even back in like the golden age of Hollywood, you had, for example, yeah, uh, Wizard, you know, the people who made like Wizard of Oz and you had various examples of films that were in no way degenerate at all. Now, when you're talking about people who are very well educated, you're going to get people who are very well educated, whose family culture praises and encourages studying it does not encourage having some leader who talks about how you know they're not getting into top positions because they're being discriminated against that's not the path that they went on the path they went on is study study and study more so when you in general have people who study who value education then they're going to appear both for good and for ill and there's going to be way more of them in certain industries but the question is how much is that something inherent in them? Because I'll tell you, like, when it comes to just like this Harmonious Heretic said right now about classical composers, so many of them being incredibly talented who are Jewish, same thing for the chess players. If you look at the chess grandmasters, an incredible amount are Jewish. If you look at any other profession, you're just going to get an overwhelming amount of Jewish people who are going to be in there. Yeah, but love, you're looking at specific things, though. I mean, this is the, what Michael Jones said, he said that, when it comes specifically to visual art, um, I mean, film is different. We want to bracket it from visual art. He, he said that, you know, certain uh, groups of people, certain haplogroups have different uh, skills in terms of like their IQ. For example, us Italians, we have very high visual IQ in terms of visual art, um, in terms of like a recognition of like um, a more regal sense of beauty. Whereas like, you know, when it comes to verbal IQ, Music. Well, music. We wait. Hold on, Gio. Isaac Levitan. Have you seen? Certain cultures are still. Hold on, Isaac Levitan. Have you seen Gio? Have you seen paintings by Isaac Levitan? Just to throw one example out here. You're using one example. Yeah, but that's like. No, what I mean. This is the only one that comes to mind. Then there's also the architects. There's also the architects that I'm talking about. But my bigger point here, Gio, is Well, some of my favorite artists are of your people, Levitan. Yes, but I have a different view of art. Than like most sure, but here's here's what I think is the thing that ends up getting missed in the a lot of these conversations. The I want to get rid of this because heretic. Twitter is going to fucking heretic. Us, so I was trying to yes. listen to Bio. Excuse well, me? I said I don't want to talk about the same work because Twitter is going to ban us. So I would like I'm to sorry, listen to Bio. No, no, I'm sorry, Phil. Sorry. Go ahead, Phil. Dude, no, I, I have nothing more to say right now. You're going to get banned. Just stop I, I think each of us have our own banned. talents that our cultures produce, and it's worth negotiating what we allow. You know, clearly, Asians are better at math. You know, the Jewish people are doing Hollywood stuff, uh, et cetera. But that, but that is also I, I, I a funny way of looking at it, though. Wait, hold, hold on, Colin. Colin, hold, hold on one second. Sure. It is a funny way. Hold on. I got to I gotta, I gotta say my... Well, people... People do hold stereotype on. for a reason, I think. When yeah, it comes there's a to, basis in it. No, no, but hold on. When it comes to a lot of... Hold on, hold on. I gotta say... No, but I gotta say the final... I gotta say the, fi the final thing on here. Because my problem is that a lot of these... No, 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 no. I'm not gonna say... I'm not gonna say anything bad. I'm not gonna say anything bad. What I find is that when there are successful groups out there, 
they end up being successful in whatever is the spirit of the times. So, for example, you had people out there like both Trotsky as well as uh, Lenin who are both successful in capturing the spirit of the times and going with it. And if you have a situation when people end up being hired, both who are of this particular group or not a particular group, you're going to look first at the particular group. You're not going to look at what is this particular culture that they're being swept in. And not only that, but you're completely going to ignore all the telltale signs that don't fall into your little 4chan thread mythology with the infographics. And that is my big concern today, is right. I think that people are rightfully, <laughs> rightfully Correct. so, looking at so many problems out there, but they're misdiagnosing why those problems are occurring. They want a scapegoat, just like they do all the time. Yes, because we all share a common but, public like, square. Lev, I Yo, so agree with that. I, with I, that point. A, I think that the, the Hold on, one at a time. One at a time. The, I think that the point that you just made about both accessibility and the dominant culture is extremely accurate to what, uh, again, my friend WVG is is saying here. I, I fully recognize that. Um, you know, as a Jewish person myself, or someone that it's a matrilineal religion, my mother is Jewish. So technically, as much as I may claim to be unaffiliated, I am Jewish. Uh, doesn't matter. I, that's just the truth. But rather, the, the extremely accurate point that he made, I mean, w whether you want to view it from a political standpoint or a socio-religious. Oh, Hold on, it crashed again, that's okay. This is not the end, let me go in there, everything is fine. Hold on. What is going on here? Ah, oh, here we go. Everything is fine. Here's the Twitter space. Hey, sorry about that. I am back, the Twitter space temporarily crashed, but everything is fine. We are here, no problem. It's been crashing for me a lot too. I updated my phone and that helped a lot. So maybe you got to update something. Just to yeah. answer Colin, I would say no, I don't think it would happen because you wouldn't have moral relativism like eating away. What, what is moral relativism? Well, you wouldn't have to bring a predominantly uh, Protestant culture. It, it, I mean, if Jewish people account for what, like 2% of the world population, and there are, I mean, let's let's look at the height, the golden era of pornography. Well, you have to look at the percentage from this. Well, no, WVG, my, my point here still stands that if we are looking at the golden age of pornography, if we're talking the slummiest of 47th Street in uh, downtown Manhattan and Hollywood making, you know, uh, smut films, my point is it's not the 2% of however many Jewish aligned people there are in the world. It's, it's Protestants that are consuming that. Concentrated. Mm. Right, but concentrated. no collective, no collective exists without the individuals within them. And each person has their own viewpoint. So you're talking yes. about a group of people with an incredibly deep history and deep roots that have had to have a stronger in-group presence. No, but it's not even so much about the in-group yeah, exactly. preference right you bring now. You up a great point about in-groups, you know, why is it discouraged? Oh, hold on, hold on. You know. Wait, wait, hold, hold on. Let me uh, just say one final thing and then we got to change the subject because, again, I think Geo is right just for the sake of the stream and YouTube. And once again, look, WVG, I welcome this conversation. 
we have this conversation here. I am not opposed to having it by any means. In fact, a lot of these conversations tend to arise time and time again. Hold on. I got I to gotta speak right now. I got to speak right now, okay? So, yeah, it's, it's all right. All right. So here is the final, and I know I said final thing before, but here is the final thing that I would say. If we substitute the idea of, like, let's say, if we're talking about Jewish people here, if we substitute that group right now for just saying people who have had an incredibly uh, rigorous upbringing when it comes to focusing on education. If we just take that, focusing on education, and not in terms of just, you know, copying stuff down, but actually like a deep focus on being able to excel at whatever you're doing, just having that kind of uh, culture. If that is something that has been passed on, then if we're talking about places where people were included and excluded, you're obviously, back in the day, not going to have a lot of uh, church-going Christian people going into a lot of these, you could say, um, the opposite of Apollonian, the mercurial industries. There was that book that was written about, um, uh, what was it called? Uh, I don't remember right now, but the point is, is that you would have people who are of Jewish descent going into those various industries, as well as starting their own hospitals, as well as uh, going into chess, as well as going into pretty much anything you could think of. The fact is, is that if you were Christians who were forbidden from doing any of the uh, nasty porn stuff, there wouldn't be as much of, uh, you know, you would be held back from doing that, I think uh, probably correctly so. But when you are, let's say, an immigrant group, sometimes you would be uh, in the position where, you know, you've got nothing to lose, you're going to go in this industry. But the problem that I have is that when people bring that industry up, they're completely ignoring the monumental amount of people that instead of going into that industry decided to go into the hospital industry decided to like i said before start their own medical center because they weren't allowed to perform surgery anywhere else starting any kind of industry you could think of and so again this is why i say when you speak about this group i would rather speak about a group that is just incredibly educated and is going to show that in whatever industry they happen to be in. And of course, you're going to have people who think that because these people are incredibly educated, then we don't trust them. They can only be wrong. And they're only going to look at the areas they don't like. They're not going to look at the hospitals. They're not going to look at the chess. They're not going to look at any of the industries where the Jewish people have contributed an incredible amount to, culturally speaking, contributed specifically to Western civilization. They're just going to be looking at the things that they don't like. And I yes, think that any group is going to have their fair the share of uh, horrible people. Is is empire of our own, I believe. No, no, that's not the one. It was a different one where it talked about the Apollonian and the mercurial um, mindset, where the Apollonians are people who would usually live on, you know, off the land, like the agrarian people. And then you would have people in the periphery who would be trading with them. They would mostly be merchants, you know, dealing with money. And also I find dealing with things, like I mentioned the Geo before, that the Christians did not necessarily want to deal with. They didn't want to do the banking and stuff like that. So I said it would be pretty funny if they would have said, you know what, we don't trust you people with money, so we're going to forbid you from doing any banking. We're going to do our own banking. That did not happen because that was against the uh, the Christian doctrine. Well, unless you count the um, the Templars that we were talking about earlier, because they oh, were you doing their own. My face, they're doing though. their own usury. No, no, but you see what I'm getting at. Go on. Go, go ahead, you, 
do you think there's a way that all of us can get along here? You know, like not us in this room, but culturally, I mean, because we just really are not getting along at all. Here, here, here's what I would say. This goes back to the Kabbalist guy, because this Kabbalist guy, he also actually mentioned that Jews do well, have I mean, like, a special... Well, like, not to the round table. Like, I, I feel like you sure. guys are kind of doing things here in the spirit of that. Um, we're, we're trying, like, with why BTR. Why do you think that's... Yeah, no, but the, but there is, there is a strange thing, though, with the Jewish people, according to this Kabbalist. What he says, and I'm curious what you guys think, his take is that the Jewish people have to set an example for the rest of humanity in terms of getting along with each other. Because what a lot of people don't know, like people have this weird idea of, uh, you know, the Jewish people all being in it together. While really, if you're talking about so much diversity of thought and incredible amounts of disagreements, you should see like one rabbi speaking with like a rabbi of a different congregation or whatever it's called. They get into incredibly heated debates, not to mention the difference between, let's say, reform and orthodox and ultra-orthodox and so on and so forth. So this Kabbalist point of view is that the Jewish people are so divided, and if the Jewish people were to stop being so divided and to teach people what it means to actually be united in the sense that I feel like you are a part of me and I'm a part of you, that would be a lesson for the rest of humanity to do the same thing so that all of us feel like we are all a part of the same source and we should treat each other like we are all extensions of each other. Has anyone seen the film Pi stylized as the numerical symbol for Pi? Yeah. Nope. Oh, yeah. The guy goes Gary, crazy Gary with math. Yes. Not, That's a great movie. It's a and great, he drills into his forehead. Correct. And it's a great movie. <laughs> it's fantastic. And it's it's all about the essentially the numerical numbers of uh, the Torah and, and even more specifically the spaces that are put between each individual letter in Hebrew. And there are silly, absolutely laughable as in like I mean, could be a TV show, debates between rabbi to rabbi, between how many spaces go between each letter. And I find it uh, fascinating to, to compare that film, Pi, again, stylized as the numerical symbol, to the film, um, oh gosh, what was it? It was a Coen Brothers film, Hail Caesar. And I think mm. it was released in 2017. Which again, that a film, it's a film made by two Jewish men, the Coen brothers, but is a, a deeply Catholic film. It's it's fantastic. I, I think I've heard of this, yeah. I think that the Coen brothers actually make very, very Catholic iconography films in a very positive light, in a very uh, uh, friendly um uh, let's say composition but um i think most of their films are are catholic central and it 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 is um a meeting place i i do think that there is a brotherhood if not a a we we obviously disagree there are many things of which let's say more um ardent catholics might believe about uh let's say um democide for the death of Christ and certainly who the mm-hmm. of that death were. And that's, that's a legitimate, that's a very legitimate criticism. And I understand that. And whether you uh, look at the Romans or the Jewish population of, of Judea at the time as the main culprits, fine. But I do think that in terms of iconography, in terms of passion, in terms of history, that uh, there is some amount of meaning ground there. 
I do understand, obviously, for the more ardent Catholics and the idea of regicide is, um, or rather democide, is not a meeting ground, is sort of a nonplus. Uh, but there, there is something there. I do, I do deeply believe that as someone that, again, grew up in Reformed Judaism but is no longer affiliated, that attracts me deeply to Catholicism. And I think that there is, in both strains, a, an idea of mysticism. And I skip Kabbalah because Kabbalah is for blood-drinking West Coast idiots. And I mean blood-drinking in, like, the silly sense. I don't actually think they drink blood, but uh, they wear those stupid red bracelets and they listen to Manus mm. Yahoo and they think that they are... Now, this is all celebrity like, bullshit. I'm not a fan of any yeah, of that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. if there if but, there is a different of course, kind of... If there is a, of sorry. course, when you get okay. to, the, to the real, to the real, like, angry... Like, the, the difference between an angry old Jewish guy and an angry old Italian guy is whether they're arguing about bagels or baguettes. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> oh, oh no! I have a lot of thoughts on that that I will hold because of because uh, it's like, good one. It's all about bread. It's all about you know what? Honestly, don't even honestly. I'm not even sure that yeah. old Italian guys know about unleavened bread. And honestly, please do not tell them because when they learn What's about matzo, I heard about. When they What's learn the about, uh, hey, oh, oh, these guys, they got the bread, but it ain't got no yeast in it. Oh, <laughs> you told me that shit's flat. Oh, it's flat. Oh. See, if I did an accent, that would be anti-Semitic. Anyways, I wanted to ask you, call. Well, I have a lot wait, of thoughts about that. That maybe. Wait, we hold on, Gio. Other... I'm getting, I'm getting my uh, cousin Ezra on the phone. Hold on. Okay. Hello. Hello. Oh, lordy. Oh. oh. Yes, my name is, is that Luke. Ezra Levant? You gonna you gonna give me some? Uh, I would love if Ezra Levant said, "Hey, do you want to do some stuff for Rebel Media, even though I won't pay you mm. ever?" I'm by the way, it is as a, as a it is it is interesting. I'm by sorry. the way, listen, I'm sorry. Stiff I'm sorry, but you know how much are you gonna be paying me for this? Come on! Can, can you say, by the way, can you do like a Jewish mother, like the and such small portions? Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah, I went down to the store. You know, I talked to Ezra. You know, I talked to to, to Mikhaim behind the counter. <laughs> he says to me, he oh, says God. to me, oh, he says to me, oi, look at me. I'm I'm kvetching. And I said, just give me some uh, gaba goo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the old Jewishly asked what gaba goo is. That's like. Well, I mean, that's that's that is one of the best things. And again, this is my second Sopranos reference. I love the Sopranos, but Thank I you. do think that in season three, when they really hit their stride, mm. and there was the whole Jewish black yeah. Italian yeah. Uh, mix up, fantastic. One with of the, the best. Me and my old man, we still quote that episode all the time. Oh, like yeah. uh, he's like, "Yo, mud, my grins, my son was right." <laughs> I created well, no, I, I think there's one better, and I, I man, I for the life of me, I'm trying to remember mm. the character. No, the name. golem. That's uh, season one, isn't it? I thought that um, the no, no, the one the on. really the one because I thought the what? one you were referencing was the one with Hesh and the uh, recording industry and all that. No, oh, no, no. That I'm, was refer- later, I'm referencing. Yeah. I'm referencing the one where um, 
Tony, they're in the stables and Tony is talking. Essentially, he makes like some sort of like anti-Israel, like uh, like barb. Someone says is something anti-Israel. And one of the old Jewish guys goes, oh, wait a minute. Let's not talk about the USS Liberty, OK? <laughs> no, no, no. But but jokes aside, I, I do feel that there is some meeting ground there. And. And when you really get down to it, whether you're talking about the burning bush or rather even like Jewish mysticism, there is a lot of psychedelics that play a part in that. Mm. And um, uh, uh, for better or worse, I mean, essentially, I I think that um, there is an element of of, again, fear, a fear of losing control of fear of being powerless fear of not knowing yourself or rather not even knowing your people and a fear of not being able to come back to reality. I mean, imagine you are walking upon and it's like, I, I can't help but reference the three musket or rather, um, no, not the three musketeers. What's the movie with, um, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and... Uh, the, three amigos. Amigos. the Three Amigos. The Three Amigos. Yes. yes, and you come upon the, the burning bush, and one of the funniest gags in that movie is that they don't react. They see a bush that is burning and singing. No, it's not burning. And, it's, and it's not burning. It's just singing. And they don't say a word. Mm-hmm. Well, they had the uh, sing-along yeah, with the animals before. Because you have to have you it in your heart to accept that. Absolutely. What would be another Coen Brothers movie you think is deeply, um, deeply has deeply Catholic themes? Oh, Here, Miller's Crossing. Miller's, Miller's Crossing. Crossing. Miller's Crossing yeah. is deeply about Catholic guilt and mm-hmm. the Irish, uh, let's say, the Irish mob in what I would suppose that's 1930s. Um, yeah, during like Prohibition. Uh, Chicago was it? Uh, maybe Philly. Yeah, I think Philly. Yeah, but I would also say I would. I mean, their most iconographic film. I mean, just absolutely spewing with Greek iconography and Roman, and certainly old school like pre, um, like pre Reformation Catholicism is Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Mm. Oh yeah, there you go. Masterpiece and mm-hmm. is, is certainly uh, Barton Fink too. Yes, Bar- yes, 100% Barton Fink, which, by the way, is John Goodman's best performance on film. He plays, yeah. he plays mm. the most menacing and, and sincerely, I would say, there there's a difference between John Goodman and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? In Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He plays a, um, a member of the Ku Klux Klan, which can only be presumed to be a Southern Protestant, probably a Baptist. And no disrespect to Southern Protestants and or Baptists. I've been to a couple contra dances. They're fine. But um, in, in rather in Barton Fink, he's very clearly playing a Kansas City Catholic. And his both understanding of himself and his understanding of the world around him is centralized in his understanding of nihilism isn't the right word but an almost detachment and that's not to say that Catholics from Kansas City or St. Louis or anywhere else in the world are detached but it's a, it's a really great character study about how far can you go into 
let's say the even let's stick with iconography how far can you go into you know the Ghent uh, uh, altar piece and the the amazing pieces of work of Michelangelo and Leonardo and and these amazing pieces of Catholic art before you lose touch with what's real how many times can you see a painted cat before you forget what a cat looks like and i think that that character expresses that in such a sincere way that like he doesn't even recognize that he's a serial killer which in the film barton think he is because he's just he's a good old boy he's just a guy from kansas city Woohoo! i'm from kansas city yeah sure i cut this hooker's head off but like from kansas city subjective morality yes yes exactly thank you for and and that's what i'm getting at with the round table like we all have a different reality but it's impossible for any of us to talk and there's so much resentment about hollywood i think the real future is these youtubers i don't know if any of you've seen this but we're talking about psychedelics um the big les show this dude from australia single-handedly created his own story his own universe um i think he had a couple of friends help him do it but he really addresses a whole lot of deep shit he has like a talking sasquatch and he's like a super saiyan and all this um i think some of these movies that have been made in the past are really deep but i think things are moving in a direction to where you're having self-individuated people produce their own stories Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and it's uh, and it's ironic, by the way. Real quick, real quick, it's ironic. Oh, I, I do, I do find though that we de- tend to speak over each other. So, uh, Colin, speak right now, but then I'm going to reply afterwards. But just, uh, yeah. Boom shroom, aka yes, boom shroom. And this is a bit of trivia. Make it quick. Uh, do you know the longest novel ever written? Uh, I think isn't it Tale of Two Cities, Henry Darger, and it's a tr- it's it's a bit of a trick question because you have to be as online as I am. It's about twenty thousand pages, and it is Thank a fan, it's a fan fiction. Oh, Fallout New Vegas and uh, My Little Pony. I know that you're talking about. No, 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 not quite. It's actually oh. Super Whoops. Smash Brothers. It's Super Smash Brothers Melee fan fiction. Written by what? a Taiwanese, written by a Taiwanese immigrant, to teach himself English, and it started in 2004. You can Google this; it is 100% certifiably true. It started on um, Baba Black Sheep, and then he continued it onto a GeoCities site, and then like even beyond that, I, it's it's been posted and posted all it, over. It reminds me of that Homestuck thing. I think that was one of the longest running stories going to a friend of yes. mine was way into that Homestuck. But this is a novel with arcs and tragedies and loss and love between Link and Jigglypuff and all sorts of weird things. And Holy not, shit. <laughs> no, it's not. No, don't get me wrong. I want to be very clear to respect the order, the artist and the author. It's not like he doesn't go into like, furry stuff or anything like that but like it's it's quite literally him teaching himself how to speak english by writing yeah it seems like a fun project he did to, to oh yeah to and it's get better. I think still going to this day the guy's probably 40 and speaks with an accent like hello how are you but uh <laughs> that's awesome 
Yeah, no. Longest longest novel ever written. Wow. So, guys, I think we're going to be ending this pretty soon, though, because it's been an incredibly long amount of time. Like, when was the Geo? From 5 o'clock, was it? From, from five, 5, yeah. From 5 o'clock, this is going on. But I want to thank I want to thank everybody for joining us here for the uh, psychedelic stream. Uh, Gio, who was that guy that uh, went on the uh, the anti-Semitic dude? Who who was he? Do you know him? Oh, he was a follower of mine. All right, I but I wouldn't call him anti-Semite, but well, well, no, look, yes, he is, but that's be, that's okay, but because I welcome well, everybody to, to talk. You, I'm according to you and my father, I'm one as well. But anyways. Well, you you can be you can be changed, you know. You could, but anyway, I believe in you, Geo. But no, my you didn't deny it, saying my beautiful friend Geo is not an anti-Semite. You just went for well, you know, you could change. Anyway. You are well, you are you are a beautiful you are a beautiful friend. No, I, I think here, here's the thing, Geo. You're Italian. You're, you're Italian, so you cannot be anti-Semitic by default. If something, if there is something oh, th that's, thank heavens. if there is something that's going on, then uh, it'll be addressed later on. Uh, but again, I thought it was a very interesting conversation. Despite that, again, for the future, we're only going to be accepting people that we know and we trust into the conversation, uh, especially from uh, that particular side. But at the same time, I do appreciate the fact that these things were able to be addressed as they have been. I have to have like a, you remember in The Simpsons, there was that like time, uh, s you know, time since last accident. You know, there should be like time since this <laughs> thing. Great episode. Yes, time since well, this particular thing is brought up. I actually had Crow stream of Zoom with Yos. I wasn't expecting that. That's crazy. That was, that was pretty um, fun. Hey, uh, can I can I make one more point on psychedelics? Sure. Go I just want to bring up I want to bring up James Joyce and his book Pin Against Wake because we've been doing so yes. much this book. And I, that book is so it's like almost impenetrable basically and there's still people that debate and go over it all the time to this day. Um, but I feel that, you know, like the power of language or information, and you can extend this into our discussions about Hollywood and movies and all this stuff. It is possible for symbolism and aesthetic, like, and audio, you know, like audio and visual, uh, media to be psychedelic and to induce all kinds of different altered states. So I think that and, really and take on a life of its own. Oh, absolutely. Who, I mean, have you seen, uh, King Salmon, have you seen Uncut Gems? Mm. Oh, no, God. <laughs> Uncut cool. Gems. That's a nuclear red pill right there. Uncut Gems is a nuclear red pill that will absolutely make you, first off, anti-Semitic, and secondly, uh, want to buy diamonds, and thirdly, want to gamble your entire mortgage. <laughs> Jesus. That's actually based on my life. And thirdly, it will... based on my life. It is an incredible film because it, it starts at 100 and never stops. It is this incredible piece of art by the Softy Brothers. Fantastic. Mm. And if I could I also think, say... I think a lot of this stuff... If I can say one last thing, I want to say, firstly, Lev, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on. Uh, really enjoyed the time. Ple thank pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thank you for letting me riff on Catholic iconography, Jewish iconography, and certainly the uh, Cohen brothers and their coinciding, if not uh, correlated, Catholic uh, films. Coinciding, get it? Yes. Oh God. <laughs> and uh, well, I want to say one thing to you, Carter. Colin. Colin. What's that? What's up? Go ahead. Repeat the question, Geo. Geo. 
Oh, I just wanted to say um, when you were. T- oh shit, sorry. Well, uh, when you were talking about um, your your indigenous friend, I wanted to. I, I've I've thought about this idea. I actually wanted to write something on it, um, but I don't know if I can because you know in Canada we have a well. Let's just say it's contentious. But um, sure. I think that when people talk about things like. Um, this is often overlooked aspect. When people talk about things like intergenerational trauma, I think that to me, it's just as much of a metaphysical claim, not in the sense that you discount it, but in anything it's even to me, it strengthens um, a lot of when you're talking about these issues of intergenerational trauma uh, to, I, I don't think it's something in, again, unfortunately us in the political, right. We sort of like hand wave it away. Right. But I think it's, it is something to be looked at through the lens of the metaphysical in that, oh, a, in that someone's past, it's it's not even just a genetic memory. It's like something that, in terms of a lesion upon one's soul, I think that there is a claim to be made there, and I think that's yeah. something that, uh, you know, up among the activism and all the other indigenous issues, I think that's something that's often overlooked. Uh, yeah, so it's just interesting. That, I mean, maybe here for another hour, like the Pentecostal um, deliverance minister who delivered me, she was a Pentecostal Christian, and. You know, Pentecostals get a bad rap for being like really culty and stuff like that. Oh but yeah. Honestly, like from a metaphysical perspective, if you do think of the devil as like the demiurge, and if you think of demons as like archons or like, um, I guess, uh, uh, like beings that aren't with the light, like beings that aren't organic, like inorganic beings, um, it makes sense from a, from a from a from a perspective of the metaphysical because it's almost like waking up, like getting those demons out getting that all of those archons out of you is sort of like escaping the matrix but unfortunately like i came back to my hometown like i was all the way in phoenix when i did this and like i was going to go to la and be a writer and like all these things but then i smoked weed again and then they all came back like as a legion and then like i had to get another deliverance done and like i'm still fighting this um this like it's almost like i'm stuck in a cage because i'm not reaching my full potential i'm not truly um Mm -hmm. awake because i'm almost getting trapped by these inorganic beings like whether it be the grays or or some kind Mm. of like and i I sometimes think of the demiurge as almost like a super intelligent ai like the devil could be that riley to both go off of your question and dio's question a fantastic segue thank you riley for saying that um so again, going back to uh, again, uh, Dio, your question or Geo, pardon me, uh, your question about my indigenous friend, and I think this relates. We had a, a guest on our property again. I work at a resort and spa, who found a stick out in the woods. I mean, we're talking a literal stick, and and she said the stick is talking to me. It's it's beautiful. I love its design, its curves. I mean, it, it, it looked nice. It's an ash uh, juniper tree, so it's got some nice, like, waves in it, what have you. Anyways, you know, so she had, she took it to the clairvoyant. The clairvoyant said, oh, you got to do this with it. And she took it to the tarot card reader, and you got to do this with it. And she took it to my friend, the, the indigenous American, and looked at it and said, yeah, it's a stick. Put it back in the woods. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes with right. with that, that that metaphysical, you have to leave the meta, keep the physical. Yeah, what has meaning? What you know, this stick is mm. some ridiculous thing out there that it's just random. Why did she get so excited about it? 
Oh, because she, yeah, I think you know, I, I, granted, yeah, granted, I she, where, like, she was an affluent. She was like, an affluent it, woman from God is a devil. And devil is a god, but like more so that the Bible truly is an infallible book because of the fact that God is God, the devil is the devil. It's well, God gave the devil a job, and people forget that, you know, like yes. in the book of Job. Mm. So yes. I, the way I see these psychedelics, because I've done a whole bunch of them, I've done DMT and, and mushrooms and LSD and stuff, but um, what I found is the demons that were presented to me, the, it was an opponent for me to fight, and either I could overcome it or keep complaining about it forever ad nauseum and say and become a victim, and you know that's a controversial way of looking at things. But, but that's, uh, that's but that's kind of like me. But that's kind of like the as above so below idea of everything, all the attachments that we have to get receiving pleasure. All of that is in a certain way the adversary that we're fighting against. We are fighting against an aspect of ourself Sometimes, that's reflected yeah. in it's that's balanced. reflected everywhere. Exactly, I agree. I would but listen, say it's guys, a balance. We, we got to balance ourselves out. Well, I got to yeah, balance myself out wanna, right now. I want to try and get. Uh, I want to try and get. Gotta also give your demons a job, otherwise they'll run away. Yes, listen, guys, so, we gotta we gotta I, go right now. This is this is okay. King Salmon Fish, you got the last thing, and then we really gotta go. Uh, I was gonna say that that stick was basically a psychedelic for that woman. You want to go back to women and snake-shaped things. Um, like, I think the thing we're getting at here is, well, at least I am, is pretty much everything is psychedelic. And it's it actually is like a real, real big problem because it's like with the seriousness that you take psychedelic, like you wouldn't necessarily suggest that somebody kind of thing because it's so sketch. Like, that's that's almost true of everything. Like, everything is just drugs. Like, you're you're made out of drugs. All the shit at Walmart is drugs. Mm -hmm. um, it, all the it's a challenge you can undertake like places. climbing Mount Everest. You know, we don't stop people from climbing Mount Everest. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand how dangerous it is. Yes. If, right. if somebody wants to do that, great. Like, let's cheer them on. Mm. If they make it to the top, maybe they can tell us what the view is like. L listen, yeah. guys. Okay, okay, this is it. Guys, 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 guys. guys. All right, hold on. I have to uh, mute everybody right now because there are too many people speaking and we do have to go. So I just want to say thank you very much, everybody, for being here. I'm going to uh, do a tweet tomorrow out about this. And uh, watch the initial stream, okay? Go to BreakTheRules.tv. This is where this whole thing has been live streamed. It says on the top, live streaming on BreakTheRules.tv. Subscribe to BreakTheRules.tv. And lastly, for all the people in here, if you want to support Break the Rules growing and getting more people on, what you need to do is you need to become a patron. Patreon.com slash break the rules. That is where you go. And once you become a patron, and that link you could see over here in the chat as well. Once you become a patron, you are going to get a lot of wonderful gifts for $10. No, oh, sorry, for $5. Uh, you are going to get access to the uh, Patreon episodes, um, the Patreon streams, rather. You are going to get MP3s of the episodes after they come out, before they come out to everybody else. What else are you? <laughs> Tux loves your poor lab. Yes, poor lab. I've been sad, sitting, standing this whole time. I didn't even have time to work out today because I was fidgeting around with StreamYard trying to get it. But anyway, uh, what else do they get for thirty dollars? No, for twenty dollars, you get beautiful magnets. And we're gonna have spaces magnets. again soon. Yes, we are, and hopefully we're gonna have spaces only on streams that start at like one p.m. or something. This is way, 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 way too late. But I appreciate everybody being here. And uh, $30 gives you a beautiful print from Geo. $50 gives you custom wooden magnets. 
And did I mention $20 gives you wooden magnets? Well, it does. So you got a lot of great stuff here, patreon.com slash break the rules. This is how you support this whole thing. So thank you very much for watching. Follow me on Twitter at leftpo, uh, follow Geo, Disharmonious, Heretic, Crocodile, all the great people that we've had here. So take care, everybody. Mwah! Good night, everybody. God bless.